Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 78 of the podcast. Very exciting one as well because it's finally down to the Ardacon special. Uh, And now I know uh, it's been ages since Ardacon, um, nearly a month and a half or maybe a month and a couple of weeks which is exactly the same thing, a month and a week or thereabouts. Either way, it's been a very, very long time. So um, I'm going to start by apologising. Um, I have got content, so don't you worry. But there was a bit of a disaster, actually, um, recording this, um, which uh, it, oh, I'll get, well, I might as well tell you. Basically, I recorded all the interviews, as I normally do, um, at Ardicon and uh, tournaments and so on. And what happened was... I I needed to clear out some memory for uh, recording some video stuff uh, and doing the voiceover for some videos and uh, for the next podcast. And I just kind of got overly enthusiastic deleting stuff off my uh, my recording device. And then I went back to um, edit the Articon stuff and realised I deleted games one through to five of uh, the tournament. So... I, I, I literally I was tearing my hair out I was like oh my god what the hell have I done why have I done this this is ridiculous um, and I was uh, my, my poor poor wife Wheezy she was getting um, she was like saying what's going on what have you done and I, and I explained and she was like oh okay um, alright but no actually she was very sympathetic but um, in the end I spent hours and hours searching on the internet looking for um, software that might be able to restore it I was thinking to be honest this is basically impossible right but it turns out it is possible. You can restore stuff off the uh, hard drive of stuff, uh, even if you've deleted it. So that, A, I thought, oh, okay, that's really interesting. I didn't know you could do that. Um, but it was a very long-winded way around it because you had to get this software that, I think it was disk drive drill or something like that. And uh, you had to pay to be actually able to download the uh, stuff that's recovered. But I had a cheeky way around it uh, because it get, allowed you to preview and listen to it. So it recorded it off. Anyway, so we have got the audio, although it might be a little bit glitchy in places because uh, of the way it's been recovered from the hard drive so apologies uh, in advance for any dodgy bits um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it as it is um, and try and edit around any bits if I can um, so you might not even notice anything but apologies if it is but I, I thought I'd leave it as, as full as I could because it was a cracker of a tournament um, Articon is always great um, and I think I left the last episode on a cliffhanger as to whether I would go. It was a little bit like the end of Friends where, you know, did you get off the plane? Uh, that sort of thing. Um, and I did manage to get to Articon. So, um, as I mentioned, uh, me and Louise got married at the start of August and we went on a honeymoon. And then the weekend after the honeymoon is Articon. And the reason I was able to go to Articon this year um, is basically because they released the two-day tickets, which they hadn't uh, done in the past. So uh, essentially, we've got uh, a, a, just a, a possibility of just going for the two-day main event of Articon, which is the six games uh, plus the Friday night, so uh, the SBG conference and to be honest, the social bit. That's what it's all for. You know, see, seeing and meeting hundreds of uh, players from around the world, um, it, it's just always well worth going to. So um, I just thought, ah, for, for 75 quid, it's an expensive tournament. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's it's probably too expensive for what you actually get for the two days, um, considering you don't get any food or anything like that. But it, it, has, it has got a, an enormous amount of, um, uh, of sort of value in the sense that just because 
the snowball effect of it being the largest uh, tournament in the world uh, the European and well so international uh, players so well worth going to if you get a chance even if it's just the once um, there are flaws which I'll talk about later but um, I'm I'm still I'm still a, a big fan of Articon and I, I would still recommend it even if you only get the once so with that in mind we've got lots to talk about because uh, there's an Arda controversy part three or four or whatever it is uh, this was a, a ages and ages ago I can't remember how many episodes ago it would be but uh, I did a a thing about Arda controversy after um, Kylie from the Green Dragon um, and uh, Callum Edens from the UK had had a bit of a bit of a thing, bit of an argument that, that sort of uh, blasted out uh, across the hall uh, at, at the Ardacon from many many years ago. Now I think it would have been 2019 actually, maybe wrong. Um, and there's a little bit of a similar one this year. And uh, we'll do that as the uh, the question, uh, the the question that needs answering later on. Um, but we'll and and then of course we'll hear from uh, one of the people involved in said uh, said things later on. So we've got lots of other controversy excitement coming up later on. Um, and also we've got the potential to win an SBG magazine. Whoa! Yes, uh, thank you to Tom Harrison and Damien O'Byrne of the SBG magazine. Um, I have a giveaway. Um, I'm trying to work out how best to do this giveaway. I, I sort of thought um, maybe, I'll, uh, maybe I'll do a quiz, maybe I'll do something else, but I've come to it a bit too late, really, to... Um, to you know, let people hang on, hang on for ages about it. But I, 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 I think what we'll do, we'll do uh, bring riddles in the dark back for uh, for a bit because um, it's it's sort of been rested for a while. So we'll play a bit of riddles in the dark later on. And uh, if you enter into that riddles in the dark, it was not going to be a hard one. Don't worry. Um, you will win a SBG magazine all about Helms Deep because uh, the new magazine is absolutely cracking. Like the, uh, it, it's got. I think it must be the biggest battle report I've ever seen. Um, at you know, including White Dwarf, uh, to be honest, like uh, even in the olden days, um, it's just got an insane number of of models involved. There's a, a whole huge Helm's Deep battle report with with I think it's thousands. A thousand, it must be thousands, and it's absolutely fantastic. So much fun. Uh, a great, great magazine. Uh, a, a massive supporter of this magazine. It's it's so good. Um, the the battle reports are brilliant. The painting tutorials are fantastic. The hobby g- vlogs or kind of blogs are are absolutely brilliant i really really love it so i'm happy to uh, give away uh, a helm's deep magazine for you uh, your dear listener um because it's just well worth it so um, and thank you again to tom in particular uh, for for giving away the uh, the the magazine uh, as an addition to when i bought one for him uh, from him for myself uh, it's given me a free one to give away to you so uh, thank you to tom uh, and of course to damien as well so uh, with that in mind there's loads packed into this episode Let's get cracking because we need to build an army for Radicon. That's right, we're building an army for Ardacon. Now, I, I've I ummed and ard, honestly, for quite a while about this because um, I essentially before the, um, the the wedding and the honeymoon and all this sort of stuff, I kind of decided. Uh, I, I, I think it was about a week or so before, so sort of mid to late July, the tickets had been released for um, uh, for the two day tournament, and and you know with uh, with a, uh, th- I asked three times, I asked three times, I said, uh, uh, future Mrs. Parkhill, are you happy for me to go to Ardacon? Are you sure? And I said that once, and then a day or two later, 
when she was in a worse mood, I said the same. Are you sure? Are you sure it's okay to go to Wildercon? I haven't bought the tickets yet. And then, you know, a couple of days later, are you sure? Is it going to be fine? Because, you know, I don't mind not going to Wildercon because, you know, it'll be the first weekend after the honeymoon and I completely understand. Every time I got the same answer, yeah, it's fine. I know you go every year, so it's a big deal for you, blah, blah. So, you know, I, I basically took a long time to, to check that I was going before I really wanted to commit myself to it. And then when I thought, what army do I want to build and take? I really didn't know. Um, I, I thought, I kind of, I basically dismissed the idea of going with the uh, Ellendil or, or, or the kind of Last Alliance stuff because I, I feel like I've done it a lot. I, I've, I've I kind of got, I wouldn't say bored of it, um, but I, I've done quite well with it. I, you know, I, I did really well at the uh, Grand Prix in Nottingham and I was quite happy with the performance that I'd, I'd done with with the army. And, and I thought, I mean, yes, I could maybe do a bit better taking it to Arnacon, but I wasn't really sure. Uh, I wasn't that excited by the idea of taking it again, so I thought I won't bother. Um, then I, I th- thought about the Balrog, so um, I took the Balrog to Hull, and I haven't t- used it since. Um, and I thought, should I should I just use the Balrog? I said I'd you know build it up. Um, I'm really excited to use the Balrog, and and then I, I sort of did some uh, some versions because um, Articon 650 points, and I did a couple of versions, and I just felt like. I've not got enough models here. Like it just doesn't doesn't feel very much, and um, it, and I just I kept looking at it and thinking I'd have fun with the Balrog, but like I know I'd just end up losing everything else. And I I know it's it's weird. I've I've clearly changed my perspective on things over the years. Um, and I thought it's not fun to go to a tournament to just get absolutely fisted um, anymore. Like I I know I'm a, a decent enough player that I can do relatively well. Um, and sort of knowingly hamstringing myself at 650 points with a, a Balrog and relying so heavily on the Balrog. Yeah, okay, that Balrog could do really well, but it could also do really badly. I could just roll uh, five high every t- every um, combat and just not have very much fun. So um, I decided against taking the Balrog. I, I hope to bring it back when there's some higher points tournaments. I think I might use it if... Um, uh, if I have time to build the rest of the army up um, to go to uh, to go to Battle of Unnumbered Tears in September, but we'll see. Um, also October. Um, so I decided. What? So basically, I was back to the drawing board, and I, I had a look in my glass cabinet that I've got in my uh, toy soldier room, and looked at what I've got, and I looked at my hunter orcs, and you might be surprised to hear that I've got hunter orcs because. I've never ever used them, but I did. I, I bought some hunter orcs years ago with the intention of starting an Azog's Legion army and uh, and hunter start uh, you know starting off with some hunters. And I looked at these hunter orcs because I painted them, and I'm really really happy with the paint job. They look great. Like I know that sounds big headed, but they do. They look really good. Um, I got did all the little sort of face paint on them and made them look really cool. Um, and I thought I haven't really ever taken these out onto the tabletop, so maybe I should do a hunter orc army. And then I thought. I don't really like the sort of Hunter Orc heroes, Yazneg, Fimble, whatever the other one's called, Narzog. Um, I don't, I don't know who they are. I don't really care because you know they're they're just random as in um, in the Hobbit movie, and they don't they don't sort of inspire me or excite me in any way. Um, but the model's really cool uh, for the Hunter Orcs. They're really nice models. So I thought, what else could I do? And you know who is cool? Azog. So I thought I could do an Azog Hunter army. And then I looked at how many Hunter Orcs I've got. I've got 20, 24. I've got the box, basically, and some Wild Wilds and some um, mounted um, Hunter Orcs as well, if I wanted them. 
And I thought, that's just not enough, is it? Six and fifty points. They're what, eight points each, which is ridiculous, obviously. And so I decided to settle on the pits of Dol Guldor. Yes, that's right. So Azog uh, on his white warg, um, and of course I don't have the armoured Azog, so it works perfectly. So it's like, well, I don't even need to convert him or do anything like that. So uh, I painted up my Azog on a white warg and started with my 650 points uh, pits of Dol Guldor list for the first time. So it's very exciting. So here it is. Uh, I've got Azog with his white warg for 215 points. Of course, he gets a free heroic combat in uh, this legion, which is awesome. Uh, he's already got six points of mine. He's fight seven. He's an absolute beat sticky wounds. Heroes on threes. Awesome. Love him. Uh, love the idea of this. It feels a bit similar to Elendil, so I feel like I, I kind of... I know how to use a character like this, and I like using big heroes like this. So I thought, oh, this is a good way to go. Um, and also we've got the auto-win priority thing. So Pits of Dolgulder has a special I am the master thing, or I can't remember the name of the rule is, it's something like that. And um, essentially you just win a priority, and the opponent can't even call her, it moves to counter it. So absolutely awesome special rules here um, to, to allow a bit of uh, sort of uber azogging so that's cool so we've got azog right then we've got three hunter orcs with bows for nine points each an absolute bargain two attack strength four nine points uh with bows that's ace uh then we've got six hunter orcs for eight points each just that's just mad isn't it they're so such good value um i think compared to a new minorian who's like i think a new minorian with a sword and a, a spear a spear and a shield's 10 points like eight points you get two attacks at strength four it's just fill i mean they are defense four but still uh then we've got a fell uh, at eight points just for the little bit of extra mobility and then we've got three gundabad warriors with spear and one gundabad warrior banner spear and shield so that's the first war band so uh we've got some we've got nine hunter orcs we've got uh three uh warriors plus one with a banner and a spear and all that kit plus a fell so not a massive war band by any stretch of the mark it's uh, i think 14 uh, out of possible 18 but still then we've got warband number two led by the keeper of the dungeons keeper of the dungeons my favorite model in the game or pretty much certainly my favorite evil model certainly my favorite uh, orc model he absolutely just beasts it it's a fantastic model uh, i've done a painting tutorial on my youtube channel battle games in middle earth uh, where i just sort of gush over how awesome this model is and i'm really happy with um, how well he's painted uh, another one of the reasons i chose this army actually he's just awesome and um yeah, I've never used him in the game, so again, great chance to use uh, uh, you know something from the backlog that's painted uh, on the tabletop. So, Keeper of the Dungeon, seventy-five points. He's cool. He's uh, he's got like, he's burly. He's strength five, so he, he he absolutely stonks. He's only got two attacks though. That, that I think that's a little bit of a downside. It's a bit of a shame. Um, he's only got two attacks, especially because he has other vulnerabilities. I.e., he's I think defense six and has two wounds and no fate. So he's pretty easy to kill if you you know even. I mean, two strength four, like a Numenorian backed up by a Numenorian, wins a fight against him, two fives and he's gone. But, you know, he's also pretty meaty. He'll chop through stuff uh, and he has this special little tally thing that's a bit like Bolg's tally where he kills one thing and he gets to re-roll ones to wound, kills three things and he causes terror and five things he gets to re-roll all wounds. So um, he can be pretty beasty, but... Uh, it, he has to last that long first. Alongside the keeper is six hunter orcs with uh, nothing, uh, three H- gundabad orcs with spear, and one felwag. And then finally, we've got a gundabad captain with shield. So the highest defense thing in the list, defense seven. Two gundabad warriors with spear, one felwag, four hunter orcs, and one hunter orc with bow. And then finally, Thrain the Broken. Yes, that's right. So Thrain the Broken. Um, I 
I had a bit of a debate about whether Throwing the Broken is worth including. Um, I remember speaking to Tom Harrison of SPG Magazine fame about uh, his success with Pits of Dull Gold a while ago at the scouring of um, uh, scouring of Stockport. Yeah, scouring of Cheshire. That's it. That's what they call it. Um, at Stockport, and he won the tournament with this. And he said Throwing the Broken was absolutely brilliant. And I thought, ha, I can include him. 10 points. He's not exactly expensive. Um, He's just a one drop, so I can put him down first uh, to sort of maybe give myself an advantage in terms of deployment. Um, And if I take a courage check at the start of, uh, before the turn starts and pass, he's mine. If I fail, he's the opponent. If I pass on a double, he gets like buffed up to, you know, a a killy monster, uh, which is cool. um, But, you know we'll see we'll see uh, in fact you'll see i already know how what how he does so uh, there you go that is my army for the weekend now obviously i i'm recording this after the tournament so um i'm going to try and not give a, give the game away but i knew going into it the the weakness of the army is defense four or pretty low defense generally so azog's defense five not not ideal on your big hero um the hunter orcs are only defense four uh, even Gundabad Warriors with Spear are defence 5. So the highest defence we've got on the list is a Gundabad Warrior with Banner and Shield and a Keeper of Dungeons, uh, which are defence 6, and also the Gundabad Captain, which is defence 7. So three models that are above, uh, that 6 are above, is not great, and everything else being defence 4 or 5 is really, really tricky. But I figured the Captain is there, I can do marches, and I don't mind doing marches. Most armies, I'm, I'm a bit reluctant to do marches. Like the Numenorians, I never wanted to march with because I only had Elendil's three might and the captain's two. Here, I've got six might on Azog plus the free heroic combat, so I'm, I'm kind of relaxed at spending his uh, his might for stuff. Um, Keeper of the Dungeons got three might as well, and the Gundabad's got two. So actually, I've got eleven might, which is a lot better than I've had in most of my armies recently. So the Gundabad captain happy to march forward to um, you know take away twice even to take away a, a turn of bowfire, which is good. Um, but obviously, it's still a weakness, especially strength two bows. You know, they they can be everywhere, and we need more fives for the hunter orcs. Which and and as soon as you start losing hunter orcs, you know. It's a kind of full force multipliers, aren't they? Because I'm losing two attacks in that front line, uh, which is nasty, and I'm replacing it potentially with a Gundabad Orc. So, not ideal, but um, obviously the strengths are I've got Azog. He is absolutely fantastic. He'll absolutely rinse through everything. There's He, he doesn't struggle to wound normal guys, maybe dwarves that are on the defence 7 or 8, uh, or particularly defence 8, sort of Iron Hills or something like that. Um, but generally, he'll just smash through most things. Um, and also he's got the free heroic combat so we're hoping maybe we'll lose stuff to bowfire in a couple of turns first but that azog would then pick up the pace and start churning to maybe uh you know three pe- three people in a combat then two or whatever so five, looking at you know potentially five even six um a, a combat if you're really lucky um but probably more like two uh, four which is which is still pretty good um so he needs to do the rinsing and obviously he can he can destroy any hero with like like nothing stands in his way barrogs maybe uh, mummocks maybe um you know those sorts of big big boys but everything else maybe some of the high elven lords but generally most things are scared of azog so i'm excited about that uh I, and, and the actual line the line the hunter orcs if you've got a hunter orc with two attacks plus a spear behind it and a banner you've got you're going to kill you're going to kill what you're fighting if you win the combat obviously um, so it's just a matter of getting enough of those hunter orcs in to to make sure you don't um, don't sort of 
collapse before everything happens so so that's the plan um we've got six games um and obviously it's a very competitive tournament um i say very competitive uh it's it's has the potential to be very competitive if you do sort of well in the first couple of games and then usually uh, as with all tournaments it's it's pretty fun after that so i don't think we need to be uh, I, I don't want to try and put people off who are you know worried about getting to tournaments because all tournaments are like this um it's yeah it will be it'll be fine but it, it i think usually they have their tough games because um because the, the players are pretty good who are coming here so there you go right that's everything for now um we'll come back to the tournament in a bit but first we need to go and answer some questions questions that need answering that's right. It's been a while since I asked uh, questions that need answering. Um, I think the last time I did it, it was about um, Goldfish Blue and maybe something else. I can't remember. Um, either way, I was talking about Goldfish Blue, who is a, a, an internet seller. He resells models at high prices. Uh, Chris Cousins has been in touch. He says, Hi, Harry. I think the issue of high resale prices is connected to your other favourite unofficial models. The more that people want old and out-of-production models, the higher the second-hand price will be. When it's just collectors who want them, the cost is high anyway. But it goes through the roof if everyone who wants to use them at tournaments also has to scrounge up an official model from yonks ago, especially as more and more new players join the event scene who weren't collecting when the model was available. So that's the first bit about um, out-of-production models, high resale prices. Um, And then Chris adds, please feel free to not read the rest of this email out. I feel a bit queasy about being invited to pile on to criticism of someone's business. Maybe the issue is more productively framed without a target. Perhaps this question didn't need answering. And while I'm giving unsolicited commentary, I think you give yourself more credit. You can give yourself more credit for your gameplay than you do. You keep winning plenty of games and beating some very good players. You're not bad at the game. Time to own it. All the best, Chris. Um, well, first of all, I'll start with that. Thank you very much. That's very kind. I think you're probably right. I'm getting better at the game. Um, I'm definitely not. A, a top player I still make a lot of, of mistakes I think what happens is when I'm tired or hungover particularly um, I make a lot of mistakes um, when I'm sort of fresh and healthy I tend to do alright um, but yeah, it's fine I, I'm not really bothered either way I'm uh, maybe right I, I think I like I'm, I'm sort of typically self-deprecating about these things because it's more interesting I think and um, it's more fun to listen to than someone saying yeah I'm going to smash him going to smash him all that and also I just you know I quite like the game and I like the people that I speak to and play so I'd, I'd prefer to be kind of on the balanced side of things anyway but thank you very much for your uh, unsolicited commentary as you call it and you say I feel you say you feel a bit queasy about invited to pile onto criticism of someone's business maybe the issue is more productively framed without a target perhaps this question didn't need answering um I, I didn't invite you to pile onto criticism uh, of someone's business. I invited you to discuss it, and you did. Um, I invited everyone to get in touch uh, w- with whatever their opinions were. Uh, you, like, I, I didn't. I don't think Goldfish Bloom. I, I, I think I framed it in a way that that suggested that actually, um, you know, it, it, it could be a completely reasonable thing to do. And it, and I, I kind of think it is. Like, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with what uh, Goldfish Blue does. Um, uh, if if you if you don't remember, Goldfish Blue is a, an eBay seller who says who sells um, models that are often uh, out of production, but sometimes even still available at vastly inflated prices. And um, and I sort of I sort of invited people to have a have a query about it. I think it came from a listener originally as well. Um, I, I don't I don't I, I didn't want people to pile onto him. I, I actually wanted people like you, Chris, to to say 
you know what? I don't think there's a problem with this. High resale prices is, you know, is is its value. If you want a model and people are willing to pay for it, then go for it. Um, I don't. Yeah, I think uh, piling on to criticism is is a slightly unfair way of saying. I think um, uh, joining a debate. If you want to join a debate on one side of it, and uh, you know. Uh, have, have your opinion known then great that's what I want that's what I'm here for that's why I, I started doing the questions that need answering um, uh, I, maybe the issue is more productively framed without a target Pfft, maybe yeah but he is the big seller of um, secondhand SBG stuff so kind of makes sense to talk about um, him and and as I said I, I didn't reveal uh, although it's relatively easy for you to find I didn't reveal who the person was so um, I, I feel like that's that's fair but yeah I, 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 I'm quite happy to to take the criticism I agree uh, in some ways uh, I felt a bit queasy about the idea of of piling in on uh, on the person and finding out the identity of them um, but I don't think it's a problem to criticise as long as you have a sensible uh, and well-rounded uh, argument and I think um, Chris you certainly pointed out yeah the, the issue of high sale re- resale problems and unofficial models I think really the problem here isn't actually high uh, unofficial models or anything it's because Games Workshop needs to pull its finger out and actually release all of the SPG models and make them available as uh, as often as possible you know that that would be the solution to all these problems we wouldn't have a complaint about uh, Goldfish Blue if all of the um, Lord of the Rings range was freely available and and we wouldn't have a problem with unofficial models if the Lord of the Rings range was freely available, uh, and you know a decent price. And I, so ultimately, it's it's the balls in uh, in Games Workshop court, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, but thanks for the uh, comment, Chris. Really appreciate it, and uh, particularly for your compliments about the uh, you know the, the 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 gaming side of things. That's really kind. Um, Alex Anglin's been uh, in touch. He's been asking about uh, the slow grow. I listened to the most recent potty and heard the email from the gent who was looking for information for a slow grow league. This year I started our first slow grow here in Calgary in Canada and we are almost done. I had to make the players package entirely from scratch and it was a ton of work so if you don't mind could you please share this with the lad who is asking. I would love to help in any way I can to grow the hobby. I also have an uh, answer for a prior question. How do I pick an army? I primarily play fiefdoms for good and harad for far harad for evil, although I'm branching out into Khazad-dum. For me, it's the aesthetics of the harad and the book descriptions of Imrahil and the Swan Knights. Rules, competitiveness, be damned. I'm all in on the rule of cool. As always, love the potty and keep crushing it, bud. Lovely. Uh, first, Alex, thank you so much for sharing the uh, slow grow document. I did pass it on to, I think it was Clayton? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, I passed on the, the thing, and if anyone else wants uh, your document, I'm happy to um, to share it with you. Uh, if you're listening and you want to start a slow grow league, I'm happy to forward it on, because as you've said, uh, it's it's all about sharing these things and making, uh, yeah, just making making the, the world a nice and better place, isn't it? Uh, so that's what I've got. I've got the Slow Grow League uh, document here if you want it. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. And in terms of the, the models, uh, Ruler Cool, always great. That's why I kind of, I wanted to do the Hunter Orcs for this tournament because I do quite like those models. Um, so I'm happy to, to run them. It does help that it's quite competitive uh, as a list, it must be said. Oh, I don't think I mentioned while I was talking about the um, uh, uh, the Dog Gulder that it's resistant to magic. Everything's resistant to magic. Awesome. Awesome. That's another reason why it's uh, it, it could be good. Uh, anyway, so let's move on. Thank you very much. Uh, now, Toby. Toby is correcting me. 
Toby, thank you very much, Toby. Hi, Harry. He says, I hope you're well. And uh, first up, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Keep them coming. I really enjoy low points games. And your most recent episode covering the 200 point tournament was perfect for me. I also play Shire slash Rangers Alliances and thought your list was great. Being able to add in two attack Rangers of the North to a load of Hobbits seemed like a great idea. However, I believe the list you took was illegal. Oh, crap. Green alliances require over fortitude level heroes in both contingents. The Rangers of the North are independent heroes, making the list unfortunately not legal. Just thought I should let you know for future reference. Well, it's a good job I didn't win the tournament, isn't it? Because uh, otherwise that would have been really embarrassing. Um, I did all right, didn't I? But not, like not that high, which you're totally right. I completely fluffed that. And really, the uh, the tournament organisers should have picked up on that as well. Um, so that's a shame. But, yeah, completely wrong. Because the I think in the army itself, uh, in the Hobbit army, they're just they're minor heroes, aren't they? Or something like that. Or, um, yeah, uh, but they don't get the two attacks. So I was like, ah, smarty pants. I'm going to ally them in and get the two attacks. But you can't because of the fortitude rules. So fool of a toque uh, but thank you toby for keeping me uh, keeping me right in this instance uh, you're a gent and uh, if, if everyone's listening thinking that rangers and hobbits are great at 200 points maybe they're not because i think <laughs> without the two attacks they would have been absolute pants anyway thank you very much another question that needs answering here from tj major i hope this email finds you well i also hope this email is easier to read than my previous one i wanted to give an opinion for whatever it's worth on goldfish spoon reselling in general i've sold minis from multiple systems both in person and on ebay i have no issues with people charging whatever they want for minis it's their choice to price them as they want however i've taken the stance of letting the purchase on ebay drive the price i sell on auction on the lowest price i'm willing to take on minis and if the desire drives the price up so be it i tend to sell more in person to grow mespg in my community for the most part and do it as cheaply as possible to help growth my only important being a new person on the tournament scene is be an advocate for the scene and group you play with if you have a great experience i tend to be more of a casual rule of cool player instead of uber competitive and i'm lucky to have uh, to have had only one bad gaming experience in tournaments and with a bad experience my opponent's friend came up and apologized on his and the community's behalf after the game hopefully this wasn't too confusing to read or frustrating to read i wish you the best of luck and congratulations on your upcoming wedding uh so yeah that's interesting so yeah auctions that seems to be the solution goldfish blue can sell what he wants uh, at whatever price he wants but if the if the community's driving the price and people are buying it then you know why not interesting interesting thought thank you very much for getting in touch final one final one uh this is alex alex again is this the same alex from before i think it might be actually yeah, Alex from Calgary. Hi, Alex. Uh, so this was a couple of weeks after the previous one. Hello, Entmoot. Long-time listener, sometimes writer here. I had an idea for a new profile for MSBG. I wanted to run by you to see if you thought before I send off to GW and J. Clare. Good luck with that. The, this profile hopefully adds theme, flavour, fun to the fiefdoms. Hopefully you find it as enjoyable to think of uh, as I did. So this is a great... So he sent, uh, this is Brill. I did have a read of this before I came on. Um, Alex has designed a whole character... Um, for the fiefdom's army I assume because he doesn't like think there's enough uh, characters in the fiefdom's army which I can sort of see certainly add a bit of spice anyway it's a piper of Lamadon and here's the little blurb it says at the forefront of any gathering of the clans of Lamadon is the highly respected piper using the ancient instruments handed down over generations the pipers of Lamadon can inspire their comrades to great feats of arms rally them during low points of battle or provide them with the extra push to finish the fight though unarmed the pipers know that they will always be protected by their fellow clansmen it's cool 
it's a good good write-up. Piper, Lamad, and Mangondor, independent hero, 50 points. 50 points. Move five. That's weird. Move six, surely, for a man. Uh, fight four. Four plus shoot. Strength three. Defense five. Attacks one. Wounds one. Courage seven? Seven? That's mad. Why is he fighting uh, Courage seven? Anyway, courage five would be fine, surely. Uh, but anyway, that's cool. Uh, two points of might. Six will and one fate for 50 points. Is a bargain already, isn't he? Okay, and he's got heroic defense. Bloody hell. Sounds great. Okay, so uh, I think... I suspect that he might be a little undercosted. Um, <laughs> let's carry on. Uh, he's got heroic defense and special rules. Pipe the clans to battle. Once per turn during the movement phase, a piper of Lamadon may expend a point of will to pipe his fellow warriors to greater glory. And there are four songs that you can pipe. This is cool, I like this. The Lamadon Trot... All friendly clansmen of Lamadon and Angbor the Fearless within six inches gain three inches of movement, just as if a heroic march had been called. That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, Piper 2. Uh, for the clans, all friendly clansmen of Lamadon and Angbor the Fearless gain uh, within three inches gain plus one to their dual roll on the turn they charge. Then there's another song, Rally to the Chief. If your force is broken, all friendly clansmen of Lamadon count as being in range of a friendly Gondor hero, regardless of range for the purpose of standfast. All friendly clansmen. Wow. Not not within a range, so that's cool. Uh, and finally, the sound of death. The Piper of Lamadon, Angbor the Fearless, and all friendly clansmen of Lamadon within six inches cause terror. Wow, that's pretty cool. The pi- uh, There's a special rule again. Pipers of Lamadon hand down their pipes and... Oh, so ancestral music. They hand down their pipes from generation to generation. If a Piper of Lamadon is killed in combat, the pipes can't be handed off to another model. Fair enough. Pride of the clan, if the Piper of Lamadon is defeated, place a marker down on the battlefield. All clansmen of Lamadon and Angbor the Fearless must immediately take a courage test to stay on the battlefield. During the move phase, all friendly clansmen of Lamadon and Angbor the Fearless must attempt to move towards the marker. If any more models are in the way, a clansman may charge. Then within six inches of the marker, Angbor the Fearless may call a heroic combat for free each turn. Once within three inches, all clansmen and Angbor must stay within three inches under their own choice. Under the, I assume that just means must stay within three inches. Wow. Okay, Alex. First of all, this is a great idea, fantastic idea. The Piper of Lamadon, uh, really cool. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get around it because first of all, all this is massively overcosted, and then the last thing, meaning if the pipe is killed, like you're basically hamstringing all of your clansmen and having to keep them within three inches of, uh, of a token of some sort. That could be really crap if you get shot at. Um, so maybe, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was at start. Fifty points. I mean, you get two. You get like six marches though. You could potentially do the Lamadon trot. This the first rule I read out for six because you got six. Where you could just march endlessly, which is pretty cool. And because it only affects clansmen um, and Angbor, you could do some tricksy stuff like you could slam your um, axeman of Lossenark and the uh, the Knights of Dol Amroth and all that sort of stuff into the line and then trot your, your clansmen around the backs or around the flanks to to sort of get the get the ex- extra turns after that. That's quite cool. There's some cool ideas here. I suspect it's a little bit undercosted, but it's really cool. I really like the idea and the uh, the downside is quite a big downside. So I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe other people can get in touch. What do you think, everyone? Uh, does uh, does the Piper of Lamadon sound like a 
uh, a good idea? Uh, does it sound too too powerful? Um, I might put this up on my uh, Facebook page, actually, uh, Alex, if uh, if that's okay with you, um, and we can uh, we, people can have a little read of it. Uh, great idea, though, and thank you for sending it in to me. Uh, good luck sending it to Jay Claire and everyone at uh, Games Workshop. I very much doubt that they'll uh, put it into action, but it's nice that you uh, it's nice that you say that. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, all of those comments, uh, uh, those emails, uh, do keep them coming in. Um, whether it's about the Lambda and Trot, about uh, the uh, whatever, um, uh, just get in touch. Uh, but we do have a riddle in the dark because we've got to uh, do a competition. So uh, keep that email uh, uh, poised, uh, entmootpodcast at gmail.com because we're going to do the riddle in the dark to try and win an SBG magazine. Riddles in the dark. That's right, it's Riddles in the Dark. I thought I'd bring it back. It's an exciting uh, thing that we used to do a while ago. If you're a new listener to the podcast, uh, this is where I play a clip from The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit movies, and you have to guess who speaks next and what they say. Now, that may seem straightforward for Lord of the Rings fans like us, but you don't really hear very much dialogue. It's just background noise and maybe a cue from the music. So this is all to win an SBG magazine, an exciting SBG magazine, which has an enormous battle report from Helmsteep. It's amazing. So let's have a listen to the clip now. Who speaks next and what do they say? Interesting, no? Difficult, maybe? I don't know. Let's have another listen to the clip. Who speaks next? What do they say? That's right. That is right. So who speaks next and what do they say in the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies? Uh, Just based on that little tiny scrap of audio you've got there, can you work it out? And if you can, send in an email... All it takes is an email to entmootpodcast at gmail.com. That's entmootpodcast at gmail.com. And if you get it right, you're in for the draw. Basically, there'll be a little bit of a draw. I'll pull a name out of the hat and you could be the winner of an SBG magazine. And uh, as I've said, SBG magazine are great. So entmootpodcast at gmail.com. If you think you know who speaks next and what they say. Here's a final listen to the clip. Entmoodpodcast.gmail.com. Now, we've done Riddle in the Dark. We've done some questions that need answering. And it's finally time to get to this tournament. Ardacon, the biggest SBG tournament in the world. I sort of made a bit of a fudge up with some of the audio. Uh, It got deleted and then uh, found in the archives. So was it lost forever? No. Do I manage to impress with my Gundabad army? Well, my pits of Dol Guldur, I've got Azog, I've got the Keeper, I've got a Captain, Hunter Orcs, a sort of smattering of Gundabad Orcs with shields and spears, coupled with spears, and, um, and of course, Thrain the Broken. Will it be enough to take me to the top tables? Let's head to Ardacon. I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. 
So we're at game one in Ardicon's main hall with the chandeliers hanging bright, playing to the death for the very first round in the, the massive master, not masters, massive uh, uh, singles championship, world championship. It's all very exciting. I've got my Azog and his Gundabad friends uh, from the pits of Dol Gulda playing against Ryan Locke in the very first round to the death. First of all, Ryan, just give us a summary of your army list uh, and I guess... How, how confident were you fe feeling going into this, this game? So, Armilus first. Yeah, okay, so I've got Corsairs, so I have uh, Dalamir, Delgamar, a uh, captain with a crossbow, Bosom with a crossbow, um, uh, 14 crossbows, and then just some shield and spear guys. Yeah, 48 models, yeah. pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, um, and as, in terms of the scenario, I think it favoured me quite a lot in this one. Um, I think it's probably one of the worst ones for me, if I'm honest. I mean, because you just get to deploy your gun line and... Um, and just steadily move back or not uh, and just wait for me to uh, arrive. It, if it was even one of those ones where you, um, you have to wander onto the board or you know, might split the army uh, or, or any of the other sort of objective ones, I think it might have been uh, quite, well, not necessarily a tricky game, but certainly more even. Definitely, yeah. I mean, even if you'd have started halfway up the board, yeah. I mean, um, by the time you got to me, I think you were like five or six off breaking. So it's an uphill battle for you there, especially because like, you've got no shooting if you're running at me. Yeah, so and, and the low defence of my army against your crossbows, you go, I've got my Wags defence for, Hunter Orcs defence for, and there was, as you said, 14 crossbows popping off uh, a variety of different guys in the first, I think it was, the first turn was like six dead, like yes, yeah, six or seven, next turn was probably a little less, fight. you had a really poor uh, set of shooting, I think you only got one hit from your uh, 14 crossbows in the second turn, but uh, it was definitely made up for by the, the first and third turns of shooting, and then things like the Keeper of the Dungeons went down to uh, a hail of arrows, and uh, the Wargs, and oh man, it was, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, it really was, I mean, and a big part of your army is the heroic combat from Azog and the fact that I can shoot into combat um, and try and stop those I managed to do that a couple of times uh, I think everyone everything was a bit stacked against you there yeah I don't want to the, to blame uh, to blame the, the sort of look, uh, look of the draw in terms of scenarios and, and uh, uh, opponents but yeah it, it did feel like there wasn't a lot I could do here I, I did what I thought I could do I could use as, as little terrain as there is to um, to try and block the way protected Azog from any shooting early on I think you only uh, you only got two two shots on him um, through various in the ways and stuff like that and they failed to wound anything so that was lucky um, I marched twice got in there I tried to use my um, uh, uh, priority winning thing um, when I could uh, sort of basically after the first li the lines clashed to try and maximise that second turn of combat to make sure I got to choose the uh, the fights and stuff like that but as you said by the time the lines clashed as, as much as damage as I did do I, I did a fair I did kill a fair amount of guys it was kind of too little, too late. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, you say you did the damage. You've killed what, seventeen guys in two turns of combat. That's if you if you turn up with more of your army there, then it's a completely different game. Yeah, um, even if just having the keeper of dungeons there, that would have hopefully been an extra couple of guys a turn. Um, I, actually, mostly the hunter orcs are the ones that died as well, and they were absolutely amazing. And the, the two rounds of combat, I think they they won all of the uh, the combats in the last turn I think or something like well in the one of the penultimate turns and they killed like on every single roll so it was it was pretty brutal but as you say you denied Azog the one heroic combat uh, early on by killing two of the uh, the crossbow uh, guys that he charged into which was which was just I mean it's it's, it's the way to do it you're going to deny that heroic combat why not but he when, when he did the next turn I think he managed to get three or four kills but I'd, I'd sort of blocked myself in to try and block off from any potential throwing um, daggers so it's sort of 
by minimi by minimizing the amount of shots I had, it also minimized the number of guys I could charge uh, from the second heroic combat. So that's annoying. But, but yeah, generally it was it was pretty brutal. Um, so I, I mean, I, do you think there's anything that I could have done differently to try and um, try and sort of minimize the the, the casualties here? Uh, in terms of minimizing the casualties, probably not. Um, if you want to run at me, I guess the only thing you could have done is decided that you were happy with a 2-0 win because you have the banner and I don't and sat back and then I could have ran at you but I mean if, if you've made the decision to come at me then probably there's not too much you, you can You know do. what it just shows that uh, I didn't even think of that because <laughs> you haven't got a banner no. I had a banner I could have won that just by standing at the back of the board and saying come at me that's true I, I, I honestly didn't even think of it and now you've said it it's kind of annoying that I know <laughs> it was a possibility I, whether I'd have done it or not I don't know but I mean I did have some bows so I guess I could have peppered at you on the way in rather than the other way around but yeah you're right once I'd uh, gone in I think actually the other thing that I could have done um, looking at the board um, it, it's kind of the terrain is sort of set up in this strange way where all the cover is facing the wrong way so these, there's these Osgiliath ruins in the uh, sort of uh, uh, straddling the centre of the board and they're kind of uh, parallel with each other facing uh, so you kind of have to run through the middle of them rather than using the defence uh, the, the terrain to block the line of sight so if I'd have because I think I won the roll off in terms of which board uh, edge we were going on I could have chosen to play horizontally rather than vertically on the table which would have given me an awful lot more um, uh, sort of uh, protection from the, the bow fire but it, it would have also meant I'd have had to negotiate around the bits of terrain so it might not have helped all, all that it might have just prolonged the, the agony because there's always going to be some bits exposed to shooting isn't there yeah I mean you're right in the way the board laid out but there is a lot of firing lanes on these boards yeah. because um, I mean some of them are quite sparse of uh, terrain understandably why there's so many tables um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough one. I don't, I don't really know what to suggest, to be honest. It is a tough one. Like, yeah. you did everything right. You marched forward. Uh, you got there as quick as you could. And we saw what happens when you did get there. Yeah. So apologies to Ryan there. This is one of the files that was a little bit corrupted. You heard the sort of clicks twice uh, at the end there. That's uh, something to do with me recovering this file. But you got a good chunk uh, of that interview with Ryan and his devastating Corsair gun line. I did mention earlier on in the podcast that uh, basically one of the few things that I really, really didn't want to face would be heavy shooting and Corsairs absolutely mullered me in probably the best scenario for them. But onwards and upwards to game number two. So game number two here at Ardacan and uh, we're getting very tense on table 50, uh, 52. It's very sweaty in the hall. There's lots of people still... Uh, having their games uh, carry on with five minutes uh, left on the clock. Playing against Paddy Farrell. Uh, Paddy, um, uh, one of the, a patron supporter, yes. uh, fan of the podcast, is that right? Big fan, big fan. Yeah. Oh, well, well, thank you for saying so. Uh, it's nice to be able to meet you in, uh, in the flesh. Well, we've met before. It's nice to uh, play, play a game together. So, um, first of all, playing Domination. Um, what, what's your army? Uh, so we have an idea and then uh, maybe, maybe give us an idea of what you sort of had a, if you had a gaming game plan of any kind yes I've got Rise of the Necromancer Legendary Legion and uh, I it, you want the games to go long against you you've got not great courage and just hope that you last it out and that you can keep the Necromancer away from being touched because he doesn't really die from combat he dies from being in combat and losing the will so I put him on top of a building in the middle and just hoped you wouldn't get up there but you, you had some brave orcs that did get up there <laughs> 
And then basically, yeah, the rest of it, that's how I play every game, is just try and take it as deep as possible and hope you run away. Yeah, and, and to be fair, that's a, with, with Hunter Orcs, that's a pretty solid bet. You've got uh, Harbinger on every single model or, or um, Ancient Evil as well on your, your big boys. So uh, it seems like a fairly logical thing. I'm, I'm just trying to think here, I, I don't really know what my best strategy is here other than to go... Well, spread out, take the objectives, make uh, try and beat you on the objective game, and try and focus down on killing the necromancer and um, and maybe chopping away some of the uh, some of the uh, ring race early on. And and Azog's pretty good at that. I mean, he's not a bad character to be have uh, around when you're wanting to kill heroes. Yeah, I actually played this in Contest of Champions yesterday, and he was getting might back on all of those, so it was an absolute nightmare. A bit easier today, but he just rips through them free hero combat, runs off and gets another one, and it is scary when you're doing those resurrection rolls and you. You, you know, each time you're chipping away the might, chipping away the might, and I was pretty lucky with them. For the I only lost one wraith um, at the end, so yeah, yeah. So it, it was. It, I think it's one of those. It, I, I get this. There's a kind of repetition uh, to playing against the uh, the Necromancer Legion, which I, I kind of. I'm, I'm always like, uh, I, I kind of enjoy the, the fun of it, but also it can get like, oh, it, it does rely so much on whether you roll a one on your uh, resurrection rolls twice. Yeah, I've got to say, the thing I feel bad about, I never feel bad about rolling a two on the resurrection rolls, because that's the profile, they're, they're not, that's the thing, I feel terrible about the courage test, because mm. the courage is awful, it's even awful against good courage, and just seeing fail after fail after fail, just to charge, mm. it, it, it is tough, and the reason I bought it, I was expecting to be a lot of Assault on Helm's Deep, and a lot of Assault on Lorien before the FAQ, Um and it's really it gives them a good game and you feel in the game but when you play something else it's, it can be a bit a bit of a slog for the opposition yeah yeah I can see that and in terms of how, how it sort of panned out I mean there are a variety of different little bits and bobs that happened but I mean it, it was one of those games that was really really coming down to the wire I mean so many little bits and bobs like we mentioned the um, uh, the, the necromancer climbing onto a ruin and I, I basically sent a couple of hunter orcs and a warg up there to uh, just to it's only one of those lost gilith ruins so I can only send in one at a time but um, I got very very yeah, yeah. To just keep the pressure on as you say um, but I, was, I got very lucky in terms of getting a warg in quite early on to charge yes he died but it chipped away a, a point well uh, the same with the hunter orc uh, I think twice he got into combat yeah, with him as yeah, well which is yeah. pretty good so yeah and then that forced me to come down behind the ruin and then really the clutch player of the game was you were then able to charge Azog with his fell sight into my Necromancer, and suddenly you're wounding my Necromancer on threes. Um, tied fight, but you've, you've got a strike, and essentially that allowed you to to come in, trap the Necromancer, and, and really chip him up, chip yeah. him away. That was that was a genius move. Yeah, thought that'd won the game for you. I was going to say because you you jumped him off, and um, and you were sort of drawing your, your line of sight and checking that I couldn't see you, which is true, I couldn't. And it was one of those things where I definitely could have been nice and said, don't forget about fell sight. I don't think that would have helped, though, if I'm honest. It, if I'd have told you that, you'd have just been like, oh, shit, okay, do I come down or not, no, I guess. And I think if I'd gone to you, can you charge an Necromancer, and you didn't say that you could, that would be out of order. It wasn't out of order at all. It's just a really clever move. I have not thought of it. This competitive tournament, and I, I thought, wow, that's the game swung on that. Yeah. Having said that, though, the, ch the two combats that I, I think I won that first combat on the roll-off, because we were both fight seven, I didn't have a chance of striking that one because I'd heroic combated into him. Um, I got four. I know. I think I got three wounds in the first time, and you passed all of them, passed all, of, all them, of them on yeah. your fate, which was pretty important. And the second time, same again. Like I think I rolled four wounds that time. Uh, in fact, I got. Did I get a triple, quadruple six or yeah, something? Yeah, quadruple six, <laughs> which was obviously unnecessary. But yeah. I spent five will to save four wounds, and it was so. Took him out of the game as a caster, but he could have been dead a couple of turns earlier. Yeah. You get on a roll with those fate rolls, and he just he just goes. 
So I thought the game was over at that point. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to yeah. win it based on that because I thought the, the combat into, into the, the, um, uh, the Necromancer just was going to either completely... Do, uh, Pull him out of the game based on magic, and also uh, you wouldn't want it's to. It's a big risk from you because Sorry. if I make one wound, yeah. you die because yeah. of the drained soul. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was a it was a fifty fifty, and the, you did win one combat against him, um, and took a wound off with uh, one of the one of the ring rays, and you uh, scored a wound, just the one wound yeah. with the uh, which was a big deal again. Uh, so you needed force to wound him. And you only scored. I think you rolled a two I and a one. Wound and yeah. you saved it with the fate. Yeah, and I saved it with that fate. Uh, so I just managed to just avoid that. And then the next turn, he was down to one will. So uh, I managed to managed to kill the necromancer, which was which was obviously big and helpful. But I think I kind of needed it to happen two turns earlier. So I think uh, by that point, a had broken, and b um, a lot of the hunter orcs had had died just slowly by attrition. So. Uh, although I'd whittled almost all of uh, maybe only one or two ring raids had might at that point, it was it was a bit too late to, to be able to actually push them and and kill them again. So although they were would have uh, only resurrected on the three up and had no might, I just didn't have anything left really to to uh, focus down and actually try and kill them because I'd spread it, I'd spread a lot of my hunters onto various different objectives. I tried to have as many as I possibly could on each objective to ensure that if I did fail that courage check that I'd uh, I'd die, I, I wouldn't all run away and. I'd I still have one left, but alas, it just wasn't quite enough in the end. And and your your resilience, um, you've only lost one ring wraith and the necromancer, and uh, that's just meant that you've got you know pretty much everything left on the board still to play and still to claim objectives. Yeah, I mean it was a fantastic game. Yeah, mad rules situations where you know Thrain the Broken actually came in clutch for you. Uh, stand fasting one objective, which we thought was going to make a difference. It got to the point where in the middle we both had a hero who we wanted to win the to lose the fight but not die to back off onto the objective. So yeah. I was bashing with a ring wraith, uh, all sorts to try and fainting with the rich king to yeah. make that situation happen. And then the real fatal blow was uh, in the last turn as I tried his free hero combat against one of the wraiths. Uh, unfortunately, he fluffed. And it was the Forsaken who re-rolls all failed wounds and he just poked him at defence five in the eye. Yeah, and that, that was big because although uh, you'd already scored the wounds, you'd already got that one VP on it, yeah. it meant that I couldn't kill that ring wraith um, and um, take what I was going to do is dismount um, Azog, leave him on the objective that they were both next to and then run the warg into one of the other objectives to either contest it or or maybe even um, kill that uh, uh, kill the remaining ring wraith on it. So that, that could... If, if Azog had survived, it could have swung the game because it ended up being a 6-3 victory uh, to, to, to you, Paddy. Um, so let, let's just... If we do the maths in the head, that, if that guy dies, I, I'd, get, I'd get two. So that would put me up to five and maybe uh, put the ring... Uh, sorry, the, um, the Warg into the middle to, to dominate the centre objective, which would also give me uh, one, which would make it a draw. Yeah. But then, crucially... I might have been able to kill enough to leave you broken at the end of the turn. So yeah. that one thing could have swung about three victory points, maybe four victory points, to actually win me the game. But either way, I always think game. if it comes down to something like yeah. that in the end, it's great. And like you said, you played it uh, really well, playing uh, the just the grinding and the grinding. And some of them, some of the ring rows are doing really poorly. Uh, some are doing amazing. The Forsaken was was by far the best. He just chopped through everything. Hunter Rocks are uh, tough guys to uh, nuts to crack, but. 
you know, you just managed to keep keep your keep your cool, make sure you weren't spending your might willy nilly, and just make sure you had it just for those re resurrection rolls, which was which is essential. And uh, ended up coming away with a six-three win. Neither of us got the oaths. I think you were trying to kill a hero with your leader. Is that right? Yeah, trying to kill someone with the necromancer, but you know, not not to be today. It was very close. Like I say, that that fate roll had gone another way. Then Azog would have gone earlier down. That that would have been a a much earlier and probably bigger demise for me. But uh, I didn't get mine. I was trying to claim one of the objectives, which. Could, I could have got in the end, but either way, so uh, a 6-3 uh, victory to you, Paddy. Best of luck in the next game. Yeah, thanks very much, Harry, and Cheers. also thanks for the podcast. It just keeps people uh, in with the, the hobby, and we do appreciate it. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much. Game number three, and we're playing Retrieval here at Ardacon. Uh, the sun is streaming through the windows, and it's getting hot and sweaty in here. Uh, although, I suppose, sweaty not necessarily in the game itself here with, uh, after two losses. Uh, playing up against Yeston. Uh, now, so, Yeston, you're, you said just before the game started that you're, you've got a Welsh name, you're, you're born in Denmark, but you're from Australia. Or have uh, I got that wrong around? around. <laughs> yeah, wrong around, sorry. Welsh name, born in Australia. I live, in Den well, I live between Denmark and the UK. Uh, my, my postcode's Danish, so I can buy the international tickets, which are in much less limited supply for Articon. Works out nicely for you. So um, what have you brought for Articon? And, and I gather from what you said uh, that you played some uh, pits of Dolgulder already. So just give us a run through of what you've been up against. So I brought Mordor, and it's not quite my normal Mordor list. I was cajoled or cajoled by Kylie and uh, Jazz, who I'm on the, on the team with Germany and friends, woo, um, to drop uh, the Witch King's... Uh, I, have, I have the Witch King, I'm playing Mordor. Originally, I'd normally play with the Witch King on Fell Beast, and then I'd also throw in Gothmog and not have a third hero. I was told to stop doing this nonsense. I dropped the Fell Beast. Instead, I've got the Mouth on Horse and Cardu, so it's a very spellcasty list. And it just hasn't really gone that well. I played, I'm playing Azog's Legion. This is my second game in three against Azog's Legion. Running triple spellcasters versus resistant to magic on every model mm. is not pleasant. It's, it's the next level of pain. Yeah, it, it's, it can be very frustrating because, especially, you know, I, I, I think I'd, I'd, I did take uh, cop some damage from uh, uh, black darts and, and transfixes and compelling banners backwards and forwards, but nowhere near as much as perhaps you would want with three casters, right? No, absolutely. I mean, most. I think the most ironic thing here is my magic was less effective at blocking Azog than my terror. Azog failed two terror yeah. tests to charge, which prevented him on, for instance, turn one, charging a random dude in a doorway. Yeah. He was sat wetting his pants on the other side of the map, which... Um, yeah, that was beautiful to see. Yeah, I, I, it was. that was definitely a frustrating start. But, hey, we were playing retrieval, so it's all about actually getting to the objectives at the end. And, and we'll, we'll sort of keep the, the, the score briefly um, secret because uh, there was a lot of toing and froing. But largely, because of the, the, uh, the diagonal deployment, um, the, the terrain, I think, made it a lot more interesting than it would be if it was a flat board. So we had this uh, Osgiliath ruin that was kind of blocking off one entrance. And as you said, the doorway, you kind of utilised well, that to very, defend around yeah, it. Yeah, I had a very defensive position. So on the left flank, my left flank, I pushed forward to the beginning with some Black Numenorians outside of charge range for Harry. And then I pulled back just as uh, the keeper and a bunch of his models on that flank got into range with terror causing, so I was still too far away. And then on the right flank outside of the building, I pushed forwards a bit there. And basically, try, I was trying to bring you in and make you surround the building was my kind of intention. Um, you, you managed to catapult uh, Azog quite early on around and hit those two... Uh, the two uh, uh, black Numenorians. Yeah, so it was because the guy in the doorway, and the second time I did get the charge into him, and the fell site allowed me to charge to the end of the building and take out a couple of those Numenorians. So I'd, I'd, I'd done 
and with just with Azog and then the keeper, I did a couple of heroic combats, push through, get a lot of those um, Numenorians. So Terra wasn't as much of a threat after the first few turns for my Hunter Orcs, which was which is uh, a, a real relief. But I, I think on your right hand side flank, so on my left, I was winning that one. Yeah, no, you, your, you were, your left flank was getting obliterated. <laughs> the main thing that kept you alive. It's fine. Carry on. Then. You can. I guess you get it. We can edit that. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the main on your on your left flank, the main thing that kept you alive really was that captain being defense seven, which I I got wrong at least twice, thinking he was defense six and quite a juicy target. So I called a heroic combat with the witch king and a, and a wag rider, thinking, oh yeah, it's a captain. I'll knock him down and I'll just I'll smatter him. And I didn't. I did a single wound because it was yeah. sixes to, to roll. Yeah, you had ten dice, or ten, dice. Say, yeah. ten or twelve dice, something like that. So yeah, lots of uh, not enough sixes. I think it was only one six, which was a real tragedy. And then the next turn, because of the the uh, you got the auto I got the auto priority. I could get it up, charge the Witch King again, and it, that that auto priority thing really, really helped here because there's so many casters. Once I cracked through on the right hand side, uh, it just meant I could you, tag the tag the casters pretty much every through, turn. You bled through from that left and tag the caster. The one saving grace I would say from when you're manoeuvring was I managed to black dart the keeper to death who had charged mm. the um, the mouth of Sauron, then allowing me to use the mouth to attempt to transfix somebody. I think. I think you resisted that transfix as usual, but um, but it like had it gone off, beautiful. It would have been some beautiful play, but uh, but it didn't. That didn't go off. You can probably tell by my tone of voice how the match went, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I think it. It was clear. I think once though those initial, uh, the auto priority went my way, and then I think I won a heroic move off uh, straight after that as well. I tagged down the casters. Yeah. As soon as your casters have been tagged two or three turns in a row. It, it really, really allowed Azog, the Keeper, various people to just chomp yeah. through some stuff. And, and that allowed me eventually to, um, to sort of peel my, my uh, Azog. a contested yeah. move yeah, that we should bring up. We'll, we we'll, we'll do that in a second. But so people can comment down yeah, below we'll, what they think. Exactly. We'll see what people think about that in a second. But first, there was also, you had sent some sort of uh, war, uh, war riders on oh, the right yes. and the left flanks to try and uh, cap, yeah, to capture well, the retrieval no, thing. No, no, no. So that actually, I wasn't trying to capture retrieval. I was trying to pull your cavalry away. Mm. And to be fair, one on your on your left flank, you ended up using three hunter orcs and a felwag. Focus one of them died. Oh, sorry, four hunter orcs and a felwag to stop a single wag rider for the whole game. Yeah. Which, to be honest, that's 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 very efficient on my end. It's like thirteen points versus 20, 30 something, and I, I tied them up. So I'm. I wasn't actually, I, I never thought I would get through. I was just trying to be bothersome yeah, yeah. and keep those fell wags out of it because that meant you were movement six. You didn't have fast moving stuff in the center. And my, I was trying to keep my casters out of combat more easily by, yeah. by doing that, which worked early on. But once you shattered my left flank, I, it, yeah, I couldn't do it. And, and as you say, uh, uh Yes, the, you're taking away the 10-inch moving uh, Felwags, but there was one guy left, Azog, on his uh, uh, white wag. And uh, maybe people will know this one. So essentially, the, there was the last turn. We realized the time was uh, rattling down, and um, there was a free heroic combat um, from Azog. and uh, which, uh, which, of course, and killed everyone. And I killed everyone in that. And um, we'd measured it out and said, right, are we sure it's 10 inches away? Definitely 10 yeah, inches yeah. away. And then it was like, but there's a guy. You placed a guy in the way. And I was thinking in my head, right, okay, I can just... But to the objective. Sorry, so yeah, the it is the objective. Yeah, sorry, to get to the uh, to the retrieval objective and um, I thought right okay I'll just dismount Azog and the White Wag and then charge the guy who was blocking off the objective that would have stopped both of them going through because he was because of control zones uh, and then I could send the white uh, the Wag into thing and 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 there was, there was a, a bit difference of, of yeah. a difference of opinion yeah, so um, my opinion of the interpretation of the rules is that the rules for dismounting is that the White Wag becomes a separated mount 
and thus can't move further that turn. Harry and the overall adjudication for the tournament, which I, I obviously at the time I agree with because you can't disagree with the ref. If the ref said the White Wag had 10 attacks, the White Wag has 10 attacks. But in this case, um, the White Wag was then, according to the ref's adjudication, not a separated mount. It had some special rule that I don't know where that is in the rule book, but, but it has one, and it could move fully and move the 10, which then brought it as an infantry model into base contact with the objective, meaning it could pick it up, meaning it grabbed the three victory points from you holding that objective. Mm, yeah. Um, so which was I, a big thing. No, yeah, it was a big thing. It, it was a big, it, it was a big thing. I mean, it, it didn't, in the end, it didn't actually make no, a difference no, it, in terms of, it would have given loss. me, yeah, it, it was a, it was a win either way. But uh, yeah, because I, 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 I just thought because he's a hero and because he's a, he's got his own profile that it, that he, he doesn't operate in the same way as normal separated mounts do. Uh, so we just wanted to check that and, and the, the TOs did agree with that but and um, as it happened and um, it, it became a 6-0 victory rather than the 3-0 victory so i mean i, I i'm because i'd broken you and yes, uh, you and I hadn't, hadn't done the same yeah. i i'd not met you were two or three models off breaking but i just i just couldn't get through that defense four you know yeah. <laughs> i just couldn't get through that defense four no the three attacks yeah, uh, versus my it, yeah. one to two um it was just too brutal i uh, my left flank collapsed due to azog's nonsense and then my right flank was doing all right but i just couldn't win all the fights yeah and i think you're you're right the my uh, good and bad captain on that um flank your your right hand side flank just just surviving he's still there now uh, he survived three turns of combat with with heroes charging into him loads of different stuff uh, and, and one it, wound, it, no might no fate <laughs> Still one will. I didn't bother targeting him with magic. I probably should have just black darted him, actually. Yeah, but but he, he did his work. He charged into uh, the, the Witch King a couple of times, held him up, did some magic. Well, took and took quite I think, a few will off yeah, the Witch King, and, really, as well. Exactly, and the Witch King didn't really get a chance to kill or charge anything else because of that so uh, no no I, a couple of I things got the, the left end, flank I, 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 the witching came across the left at the very end but by that point nothing mattered because it was the last turn exactly um, but, but he did get there technically speaking yeah <laughs> uh, either way uh, yes and it was a it was a fantastic game you could tell uh, there was lots of toing and throwing lots of uh, uh, entertaining courage checks and uh, oh my and, goodness, and you combats. failed so the minus one bubble from the Witch King against your orcs and you just, they did not, they did mm. not like, well, so I had Black Numenorians on a lot of my, my front lines at the beginning. They died quite quickly, obviously, but that really slowed you down. So that mm. doorway just became a nightmare. Yeah. I had one Black Numenorian stood in a door for like three turns. It, yeah. was, it was ridiculous. It was great. And, and in terms of oaths, I was trying to kill your second most um, expensive uh, unit, which was the Mouth of Sauron. And there was a chance the Keeper of the Dungeons had a, had a pop at him, but he was black darted to death and, instead. As mentioned earlier, it was a beautiful player. Black darted the Keeper to death, thus allowing the Mouth to pop out and charge somewhere else um, uh, and use his stand fast on the other side of the field. And give you an oath as well. Uh, well, uh, yes, actually. So I tried to do some... Um, I tried to not, not misplay you. I uh, misdirect you. Yeah, faint. Yeah, yeah, I tried to faint. So I had a drummer drumming off to Harry's board edge, um, hoping that that would further, cause further orcs to kind of run after him. You didn't fall for it. You just went, oh, I can have the oath, whatever. Yeah, I think it was too far away. Yeah, I was, it, wasn't, no, it was a bit of waste right of time the, for me. It was right on the corner. I mean, it was a good 15 inches away from any of your models. But... I was hopeful you'd come there, and at this point in the game, the drummer was worthless. Like, yeah. I thought it was better to try and pull, pull models away from you and present that, but actually my oath wasn't be near the board edge. My oath was I needed to kill your second most valuable model, which just so happened to be a model with two wounds and no fate and mm -hmm. defense six. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the first wound was an orc tracker via yeah, by a bow in, like, turn two. I went twang. 
Um, I don't know. I think it was like in the way, uh, in the way, in the way, and then a six or something like that. It was crazy. It was good, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it, and, and I guess that gives you the oath, which is brilliant. Now, I, I, it's clearing out in the hole. You can yeah, sense the emptiness. Dinner. We need to go and have some food. But yes, and it was a cracking game, and best of luck for the rest of the tournament. You too. I mean, uh, that puts me 3 0 down, and you only 2 1, <laughs> so I probably won't see you again. Well, we, you never know. You never know. All the best for the rest of the tournament. Cheers. We've shaken hands, by the way. <laughs> Game number four after a mammoth day here at Ardacon, and we're playing uh, Command the Battlefield. So that's the Maelstrom mission where you have four table corners and the dead zone in the middle. Each quarter is worth uh, a few points. And we're playing Mark Stone, as I live and breathe, as uh, Damien and Tom would say off the old volunteer. So, um, Mark, uh, we, we've never played before. Uh, you're uh, a, a long in the tooth, I think it's fair to say. You've been around, uh, around in the SBG scene for quite some time, is that right? Yeah, uh, pretty much since the first Articon. So uh, through uh, so being friends with Adam Troke, he, he told me this tournament was happening and uh, said, get an army painted up and come along, it'll be good fun. So yeah. what's that, six years now? So, so yeah, I mean, and, I mean, you can hear the hubbub still on. There's a few minutes left in the round. It's, it is quite a tournament, isn't it? It must, it must be said, as exhausting as it is today. Yeah, it's a brilliant tournament. I mean, it's the uh, highlight of the calendar, isn't it? You, know, you get so many people travelling from far further than I have to. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're from uh, one of the Channel Islands. Yeah, Guernsey, yeah, Guernsey, yeah. yeah. Amazing. So, so um, with that in mind, final de- uh, uh, game of the day, we've got, uh, as I say, Command the Battlefield. You're up against my Azog and Co. Uh, what have you brought to the, uh, the tournament today? Uh, so we've gone with the uh, Depths of Moria Legendary Legion. So uh, Balrog and as many goblins as you can fit around it. So you've got gone with the Gunderblad Black Shield and a captain as well. So it's about 30-something, 30 32, was it? Uh, 31 models in total, which is a, a little light, I think, for uh, for this list to be truly effective. But um, but it's good fun. The Balrog's uh, always good fun to play. Absolutely, as, as long as he turns up, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> the uh, the um, I, It was actually one of the... I, I spoke about this earlier on in the podcast. It's one of the the armies that I really considered bringing here but um, as you've pointed out I kind of thought I just thought it's, the numbers just don't quite add up to me it, it felt a bit too light on numbers and maybe maybe too reliant on the, the Balrog I mean we both found ourselves in the position of having won only one game coming into this one as I, I guess that he's, he's sort of been a bit temperamental is that right? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I mean, you need you need to roll sixes, right? Otherwise, he doesn't uh, he doesn't often get far. But I think at this points level, you just don't have the ability to control the battlefield with so few goblins. Um, so yeah, it's really Balrog or nothing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So with that in mind, uh, we've got Maelstrom. What did you think about uh, coming up against Azog and Co from the pits of Dolgulda? So Azog's definitely one of the more worrying heroes to face with the Balrog because of his ability to wound on threes. Uh, you know, high fight, so likely to strike up to ten. So again, it. It comes down to the dice. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, it's um, just a big roll-off, isn't it? Yeah, basically. So, um, yeah, it's um, Azog's always tough no matter what list you bring. So what was your game plan going into this? I think it was to try and get the Balrog on Azog as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, and just try and keep the goblins fairly structured because breaking them off into fragments, which is tempting with a scenario like this where you've got to control the quarters, I think would have just just got them all ganked in you know one by one so it was yeah really to try and stay strong centrally and hopefully make a late break and it was quite difficult because the first uh, the maelstrom rolls didn't really go your way i mean all of my war bands came on i didn't need to spend any might they all came on in pretty healthy positions that didn't quite happen for you no i think uh using all my might uh, including mighting down to prevent the uh, the black shield shaman from coming on turn one uh, put me in a tricky position to begin with 
Yeah, I mean, you're already low on might in this army, and having having spent three of them to just just to get on the field in the right places is, is always a difficult one. And in some ways, actually, and I think this is probably one of the few maelstrom scenarios where it's not the end of the world if you come on and spread out. But uh, where yeah, where where I was likely to put you would have definitely resulted in some really really awkward situations. So, and um, with that in mind, as as the game sort of progressed, the Balrog and Co were were sort of gunning for the middle, basically gunning to to whip Azog into combat. Is that that generally it? Yeah, ideally. Um, sometimes it works as just a bit of a challenge as well. You know, throw down the gauntlet, put the Balrog there and say, you know, are you brave enough? <laughs> you didn't fall for it. But <laughs> no, not at all. So my, my game plan was I, I deliberately spread my troops around all of the, the kind of the corners. I wanted to entice the Balrog into the middle of the battlefield where there's there's no value for the points. And and I, I definitely succeeded in that. You, the Balrog was basically fighting in the dead center of the, the sort of dead zone and his goblins followed him into it. So I thought I was onto a, a, a real success there. But of course, then the Balrog starts chopping. First turn was a bit ropey. I think uh, I managed to win a couple of fights with um, the Hunter Orcs and Azog had charged into some guys in heroic combat. So he was chopping through prowlers and, and everyone uh, all the goblins like nobody's business but the Balrog had a slow start but he, he certainly started picking up momentum but I like to think I did a fairly decent job of trying to avoid him yeah definitely it was it was tough trying to chase Azog down and I think what what as you say what happened was he started getting some momentum and I started winning those heroic combats and ultimately was able to, to box box you in a bit mm. yeah, I, think, I, I think I killed way way more goblins in the early stages of the game but as, as it slowly started picking up and started having gaps the terror started being a, becoming a real issue um, and uh, yeah I just couldn't pin him down I managed to pin him down a good few times but that heroic combat just got to squeak him out because he was only ever really fighting maybe one or two uh, orcs which is always tricky and um, when, when the when the sort of the, the battle started developing into the the stages where I felt like I needed to to do something to win the game, and I think this was my big big mistake in terms of trying to win. I mean, I wanted to have a good game, and, and we did. We had a lovely game. But in terms of trying to win, I, I made a bit of a boo boo because um, I just charged Azog into the Balrog, thinking I've got to wound the Balrog at least once. I'll get a VP, uh, and I need to do that to break break your force, and then you know hopefully I'll survive. But I realised um, sort of after I'd already committed him that I needed to. Uh, actually quarter your army to end the game and then I would have been left with all of my guys spread out in the quarters do you, do you think that's the kind of the big mistake that I made I think so I mean because like I said my objective was to get Azog into a fight so yeah. when you charged me it was well this is what I needed to happen yeah. I mean but again it does come down to, to the roll-off I mean you it was you get you struck up and it, it just came to the roll-off in the fight basically yeah. and, it, and it went it went my way thank yeah, you yeah exactly and and that for, he did survive that first turn but um the, the uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was enough to the wound him quite seriously. I think he took off two wounds and uh, one of his fate, and then it was, you know, I just I, I tried to get away, and I think the next turn because I because I had the might advantage, I could I could try and box it off. But at that point, your barrel had done so much work chopping through stuff. There was just not there was not enough bodies in the middle to block him off. Yeah, no, and I think what what also kind of helped is uh, there was a cheeky little uh, fate point taken off the warg early on from a prowler's throwing dagger so it just oh, yes. made him slightly slightly squidgier than uh, than he was so. yeah absolutely and with all that might behind him he wasn't really having to do much other than because um, there were uh, the heroic combats were free I, I had plenty of might in the center to call moves and stuff like that and and actually i was winning a fair amount of priorities you weren't contesting any of the moves anyway so uh, i had loads of might left in him so those two if i had two points of fate it would have been a lot more uh, a lot more helpful but uh, as it all developed 
crucially, there was there was a couple of turns where um, I was I was on the cusp of killing sort of the, the three or four goblins that remained to try and uh, quarter the ore army and end the game just before I broke, and and it was just one of those things that the pace slowed down as I started losing models, and uh, and and you got you got me broken before you got quartered, which which was a big deal because those hunter orcs just started leaving the battlefield in their droves. Another tragic loss uh, lost to the archives there. Uh, at the end of that interview with Mark Stone, uh, absolutely chopped and lost into the ether. But you got the general gist. Uh, it wasn't going very well. 8-0 loss to Mark Stone. And, and I feel like that one, I, I, maybe I just played it badly. I don't know. Uh, I feel like I'd, I'd kind of surrounded the objectives i got all the corners i got quite a lot of uh, hunter orcs on each of the the corners of the map and i'd put the balrog sort of forced him into the middle uh, to uh, I, I, ideally so that he stayed in that sort of um what do they call it a no man zone or whatever it is uh, and then it, it all kind of collapsed uh, lots of guys running away so I ended up with an eight nil loss against mark stone so you, if you're following closely you'll realize i've done absolutely awfully in this tournament uh, so far so uh, i did manage to get the win against yestin that was a six nil win uh, a 6-3 loss uh, earlier on and that was against paddy farrell uh, with his uh, his necromancer legion and the first game a 7-2 loss uh, against the uh, uh, against the corsairs so not going so well how will i fare after a couple of drinks and a rest let's find out let's go into game five Game number five here at Ardacan, and we're playing Recon, and uh, it's it's been a sweaty, sweaty game. I tell you, real, real really, really interesting one against Stan from France. And um, Stan, first of all, um, just could you just give me a summary uh, of your list, uh, your army, to uh, so we can get some context here before we work into it, and and try not to reveal the result too too soon. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so my general is Bromir, Captain of Gondor, with the banner, uh, leading like seven Minas Tirith and eight Rangers. And then we've got Irolas, his bodyguard, with uh, fearless men on the second line and Moyo of Minas Tirith in the front line. And then Theodred with three royal guards with throwing spears to get the objectives and to have a more proficient hero to kill more. Yeah, absolutely. And going into this, obviously, Azog's an intimidating character, but Recon is perhaps less about uh, killing. Did you, did you think that you had, had a good chance here? Um was not sure because like Azog is so powerful with the, um, the double initiative I, I could say like you can go all model in all in at the end so I was like not sure maybe a chance with the um, with my riders they did but I was not sure about that because I'm really afraid of Azog to be fair. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 intimidating, isn't he? But I, I think here what I there is quite a lot of um Delay at the start. They, they, your Theodred failed to come on a couple of turns. Irolas, uh, I think you spent might on both of them in the end to, to get them to come on the board early on. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the um, Theodred arrived on turn three. Irolas on turn. No, uh, Theodred on, t- on turn uh, four, and Irolas on turn two because I spent one might for each to get them because they were not going in. So mm. like. like Okay, just spend the mites. Yeah, and even that ended up, uh, because you uh, stayed and shot, uh, you sort of castled up uh, in a little uh, sort of uh, gully between two bits of terrain. It, it meant the, the, the battle was always being fought about sort of a third onto, uh, onto your board edge, so, uh, but it did allow you to whittle down a lot of my hunter orcs in the shooting. I think it was somewhere in the region of uh, five, six, maybe seven hunter orcs died from the bow, so, I mean, that, that's a good start for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, as, since I was... Uh, like delayed for with uh, Miami and delayed, so they say, let's stay there, 
shoots and then take the blow mm. and maybe kill one of two more with shooting or small attacks like Boomi I did, like I went for one charge, every combat, go back. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good move, actually, because with the threat of Azog hanging around, it, it, was, it was well worth just stealing a couple of guys, killing a couple of Hunter Orcs and moving back, because my Hunter Orcs, when they did collide with your uh, Minister of Line, they, they were churning through a bit, yeah. but, it, but you, you'd done so much damage already that it was, it was always going to be difficult. Um, but with, with this, I mean, I'm sort of... I'm always torn with, with this kind of uh, battle where... Uh, you've got a fight seven hero with six might. I've got a fight seven hero with six might. Uh, I've got three heroic combats, but um, I guess against a hero that doesn't really help that much. Um, do, do you think I should have tried to charge into Boromir early on and just go for a strike off and see if I can kill him? Uh, I was asking me the same question with should I go to, to Azak with Boromir, but it's really tricky because like we need both of them to to go but I think maybe you should have tried because like as I kill all of the figure all the all my models basically and uh, my banner is so important with uh, combat yeah. five but I think in the end you could have lost as yeah. so it would have been a tricky situation because my, my thought was if I uh, sort of do uh, avoid him a bit kill lots of your troops uh, with Azog because as you say the fight five and so on it's, he's one of the few that can do that even just the, the high defence of some of them makes it harder but I, I was thinking I, I can churn down your might wait until you've gotten to one maybe two might uh, and then it might have a better of a chance and, and I also used the keeper of the dungeons to try and chip off some might and he did a good, he did a good job and he's, uh, you rolled a one on a strike against the keeper which was really unlucky uh, and I managed to chip off some fate but no wounds um, and then I was, I was ready to go uh, in, probably in the next turn to, to charge Boromir to, uh, but perhaps that was a little bit too late we'll explain why in a second but uh, we should also talk about Theodred who uh, underperformed sub significantly <laughs> yeah. here uh, basically, Theodwell lost all his combats. Yeah. Only he lost, he won a little bit one against Azog because I shielded, I did a six. Yeah. And used uh, to spend might to win the, the fights yeah. to kill him, but he won, he lost all his, all his fights. Luckily, you didn't win him. Yeah. So, I like. That's going on for me, but he lost everything. It was it was very poor because because he'd spent one of the might points to come on the board. Yeah. I think he rolled a four high at one point against two hunter orcs and a spear, and and it, uh, he lost his horse in that, and then lost a wound as well. If, yeah. or, uh, eventually, it was he was very unlucky. And if it, had he been um, doing what he should do, which is kill yeah. lots and lots of people, it would have been a lot lot harder for me to to crack through in the end. But yeah. um, it, go on. Yeah, I'm just uh, happy to get him the shields because. Yeah, yeah. He would have been smashed earlier yeah. in the game, so yeah. you just stay in the line to hold it a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, meanwhile, of course, um, there's the objective here. So recon, we've got to try and get uh, models off the board. Um, early on, I sent some uh, my, a couple of my felwags yeah. round the uh, the sort of right hand side of the board, uh, and you had to move quite a lot of your troops over to yeah. make to try and prevent that. And I, I realised. Um, but that was part, partially my intention. I wanted to pull some troops away from the centre to try and make it easier for the, the bulk of my army to crack through. My, I, I was hoping always to go through your line rather than uh, sneak round it um, because I just thought the Hunter Orcs, the strength of them and the Azog would, would maybe be able to do that and the um, Keeper of the Dungeons also kind of came in on the flank to do that. But, um, so those wags were almost a little bit of a distraction, a feint, because I never expected them to get off the board. Um, but of course, in the meantime... 
you did have Royal Guard that were uh, par parading up the, the left-hand side flank, which, which I, I, I guess you were you, quite early on, you were trying to avoid, me, uh, avoid Azog with them, but then because they were so far out of the, the centre, it was, it was an obvious choice to send them off the board. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, deployed them on the left side, uh, difficult ter woodland terrain on the way. I just cross it with uh, my cavalry, my cavalry because like, let's just go through. Yeah. And as I was at the beginning in the center, really nearby, you can intercept them. So I like just avoid Azog and go straight yeah. in. And there was really once you'd, you'd sort of committed to going through the woodland, I, I'd, I'd need to re, uh, I'd need to send Azog. He's the only person who could catch it. And I thought, well, that's it's probably not gonna not gonna work. So I need Azog to crack through. So I, I was relying on the fact that um, my my hunter orcs were killing well in the centre once once they collided. And because of this bottleneck we're in, my numbers maybe maybe although I'd lost quite a lot of numbers. I thought maybe it wasn't going to make as much of a difference, which which I think is fairly true. I mean, it, it, looking at the the battle at the end, uh, I've definitely got more guys on the troops. But uh, as as with the previous game that I played, um, the the end conditions have, have been my downfall here. So uh, so I mean, the in the last couple of turns, you were very careful and cautious about uh, exactly how many models you had. I had some uh, Gundabad warriors wandering off towards the board edge, and next turn they'd be off. But that's too late. Yeah, because like. Uh, at the last turn, I like. I, I know I need to be eight to be to the quarter, and I just counted my models. And I'm like, I got still nine left. Mm. So I'm like, oh shit! Yeah. So you charge a, a ranger, so I faint to to be down. Yeah. You still one, and you kill him. And like, okay, yeah. so the party was over. Yeah, it's it, it, it. And and I think actually in the last turn, I'd um, I I was I'd again forgotten this sort of thing. So I I'd kind of surrounded Azog so Azog had no way of uh, getting into Boromir because I, I basically wanted to wait another turn because you only had one point of might left on uh, Boromir and thought right I'll wait another turn I'll, I'll get him the next turn because you wouldn't have had any strikes left so I thought that that was going to be great I'll get Azog it'll be brilliant it'll all be wonderful uh, and then of course you heroic combat away kill the two that were going to get off the board um, which which didn't really matter in the end because you'd already got three off the board I'd got nothing off the board uh, and the game had just quartered so in the end uh, Stan it was a, a, an 8-1 victory to you yeah. uh, and both of us got O's in the end so you, yeah. you wanted to try and kill the keeper of the dungeons is that right? Yeah exactly uh, I was like not the second most expensive figure but just kill a hero with my leader so like I saw him like alone yeah. with no live troops so like like Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting a bit annoying, isn't it? The ends being cut off. I don't know why uh, the the recovery device or sort of program that I used to to harvest the uh, the, the recorded files from the the backlogs of the uh, the device I used to record on seems to just chop the end off. And um, some of them went a bit glitchier, and I did find different versions of them. But I, I don't know why. So apologies again, because uh, it usually is cutting off the bit where I say thanks for the game, and they say aren't you such a wonderful person? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it is usually the thanks and the, you know, thanks for a good game kind of stuff that's chopping off, which is a bit of a shame, uh, and maybe a bit longer. But most of them are quite long. So anyway, that's good. Um, so that was game number five. We're going into game number six with a terrifically bad uh, win-loss ratio at the moment. Can we improve in the final throws of Ardacon? Let's find out. So the final round of Ardacon, round number six, playing assassination in a very sweaty hot hall, tiring couple of days, uh, and playing up against Ziggy. Ziggy, um, so first of all, Ziggy, uh, how's the tournament been for you? I mean, we both found ourselves in the uh, position of having only one win running into this, uh, this game. So uh, how, how are you doing over the course of the tournament? 
Well, obviously, I've not been playing my best. Um, otherwise, I'd have been higher up the table. Sure. But I have been really enjoying the games I've yeah. been played. Yeah. And, and we, obviously, we won't, don't want to reveal too much uh, too soon, but uh, just give us an idea of what, what you've brought for your army for, for the course of the game, and then we'll start walking through it. Well, I've, I've been playing Helm's Guard for this tournament. Um, obviously, my lead is going to be Helm Hammerhand. Yeah. Um, he's got a squad of Royal Guard with throwing spears with him and a banner. Um, then there's a captain with throwing spears and another squad of throwing spears with him. And then I've got some King's Huntsmen with archers. So two King's Huntsmen, which is an unusual one. I don't think I've seen that combination before. Is it, has it, has it fared you well? Oh, I mean, I've, we found ourselves with on the bottom <laughs> table, so I guess not. But uh, how have you found them? It's helped me to snipe a few heroes early on in the game, yeah. uh, which has helped. Um, but it's not been totally useful. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. So with this in mind, assassination, um, obviously you've got Helm Hammerhand and I've got Azog, both massive heroes, neither of which can be the assassins nor the targets. Yeah. And so... Uh, what, what, how did you approach this game and sort of did you fancy your chances? I thought it was going to be very challenging. Um, I've played with Azog before. Um, I know how, how much of a monster he is in combat. So I'm not going to lie, I was terrified of him. Yeah. And because he has that natural fight value advantage because you're fight five, aren't you? And that, that's always going to make it more difficult for you? Yes, yes. There was a few times when I, I took a move and I was like, I shouldn't have done that. Mm. So I had to kind of... Heroic combat away from Azog rather yeah. than towards him. Um, or heroic strike to try and attempt to kind of square you off. Yeah. And because you got the free, uh, in the Legion, you get a free, uh, like, my, like Mighty Hero, like Aragorn, you get free might every turn. So you, you did have a lot of might in the bag, basically. I did, yes. Yes. So with that, like, what, was your, what was your aim? I mean, you, I think you were trying to kill something with, oh, I forgot, there's a wild hiding behind the building. It's been there for ages. Um, what was your target and, and your assassin? Well... My target was Thrain the Broken, and my assassin was one of my King's Huntsmen. Um, I did assassinate the King's Huntsman with a uh, Thrain with the King's Huntsman, but unfortunately it was the other King's Huntsman. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big deal, isn't it? And, uh, and why did you have for Thrain out of interest? Because, I mean, there's this small chance that Thrain actually ended up being in, contr in your control throughout the game and, and sort of wandering around or, or not getting involved at all. I went for him because I thought he'd be the easiest to take down with archers. If I, could snipe, four, yeah. if I could snipe him quickly, get it that way. Yeah, and, and to be fair, you, you gave the game away early on because you sort of said, ah, oh, yeah, I've killed him, but not with the right one. So uh, maybe I'd have been a bit more cautious with some of my other heroes if, uh, if, I'd have known that, um, if I hadn't known that the, the throne was the target. But I guess it did kind of give the game away. You, you're popping all of the arrows into the, the ten-point hero that I've got uh, kick it lurking about. But um, once the lines kind of clash, because uh, Assassination's a 24-inch uh, deployment zone, you deployed sort of uh, 12 inches onto the table in this, um, in this sort of gap between two buildings with a, a bristling line of throwing spears, which was very, very scary looking, with your archers on the buildings, uh, the two uh, uh, Osgiliath ruins that, that they sort of anchored between. So it looked very, very uh, intimidating. But I, I just marched straight into the lines and then essentially put myself a couple of inches, maybe three inches in front of you. Um, which gave you the choice in that first turn: do I throw a load of spears or do I charge? And you went with the uh, went with the charge. Uh, do you think that was the right move? I'm not too sure, to be yeah. honest with you, because either way it could have gone differently. Yeah. Um, it started off well early on. Um, had I maybe stepped back, um, I might have been able to flank you easier. Mm. I mean, obviously, I did end up getting a bit of a flank on you, but not as much as I would have liked. Yeah. 
Because I, I, I think that might be uh, one of the few mistakes you made in the sense that if you'd have just backed away um, three inches, four inches, something like that, uh, you'd have still got, well, you'd have got twice as many shots um, so, and you wouldn't have had any kind of recompense in terms of me being able to hurt you. So I, I think there might have been a small mistake because you could have lent into your extra shooting. There were no in the ways, no combats. It would have just been a bloody, bloody spear-soaked battlefield for a, for a turn. And then the next turn, you could, you know, you could potentially have charged in, forced me to spend my to, to charge you, all that sort of stuff. Um, having said that, the ch your charge was absolutely devastating. I think uh, you, you might not kill loads in the throwing spears, but you certainly killed a lot in the combats because uh, you just got the higher fight value and, and the dice were on your side, I think. Yes, they definitely were. Yeah. Thanks to Helmhammerhein being right behind my troops at the start, give, giving everybody the plus one boost in combat. Yeah, even the, Ro the Rohan warriors were uh, boosted up just above me, which is always a little bit frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not often that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And so as the as the sort of game developed there, it was it was a little bit of a game of cat and mouse because uh, obviously I was trying to kill um, one of uh, Ziggy's uh, heroes, which was uh, the, the Rohan captain, figuring that the um, well actually because they were deployed on the the buildings, I was like right, okay, I, I, I guess that the huntsmen are going to be hiding as far away as from combat as possible. At least the captain's likely to be in the centre. Um, but it was a kind of it was just a game of can I avoid Helm Hammerhand when he's uh, he's you know, being a bit horrible, and can you avoid Azok being a bit nasty and heroic combating? And it was lots of, I call a combat, you call a strike, you call a combat, I call a strike, various things, just to make sure that um, you know we're able to do it. But the keeper went down pretty quickly, but um, he did manage to knock a bit of uh, a, a bit of uh, might off the uh, off Hamhamhan first, which was good. He did, yes. Um, obviously, my oath was duelist, so I had to get Hamhamhan into at least one hero that he could take on. Mm. Um, the one I saw first was um, the keeper. Yeah. Um, the, your captain was just too much in the centre, surrounded by all your guys and my guys. So it was just, I've got to go for the keeper. Yeah. And he is very squishy, to be fair. I mean, I, we, we struck up there, and, and I, I think, I, did I get higher than you? I can't, no, we got the same, but I think I, I won, the, won the fight somehow, which was, which was ridiculous, and then managed to chip a fate off or something like that. Uh, either way, it was, it was all very tense until the very, very final throws of the game, where... Um, Helm was out of my, and obviously still at his mighty hero, and decided to, rather than take on Azog, to Scarpa. Yes. Um, I decided I'd, I declared heroic combat, not realising Azog could have got in as well with, the, with his heroic combat. Yeah, because yeah, I'd also called heroic combat that turn as well. So it was, it was a roll-off to see which one went first. If, my, if Azog had won, he'd have gone straight into Helm Hammerhand and tried to kill him. Yes. Um, I... Sh I th after I declared, I realised I should have struck, um, but it's too late by that point. So it's. But actually, at that point, I was definitely going to just go for the Rohan captain because I needed to get that kill on the captain to uh, to ensure the the end of the game. So, as it as it turned out, um, Helm Hammerhand basically decided to go into Azog um, a turn later or something like that, uh, just to try and protect the captain. I think I'd given the game away at that point that I had surrounded the captain with uh, like four hunter orcs and um, and charged Azog in. So it was like Helm Hammerhand called a move and had to get with his only point of might. So he just kind of had to sacrifice himself to go to to try and save the captain because that would have won you the game if the captain had survived that last turn that would have been it wouldn't it, it you, you'd have won yes I, w I would have won yep 
Yeah, because you had the you had the kill on the thing, and I hadn't yet done it. So um, instead, though, the the roll off went my way. I, I managed to kill Helm Hammerhand to secure an extra couple of VPs, and then also the following turn um, managed to get the kill on the Rohan Captain for another five points. So it ended up a nail bitingly close game, eight seven victory to me in the final throws of the tournament. So uh, it was properly properly close and the scoreline absolutely reflects how how sort of how much to and throw there was on this game yes it definitely does yeah very nail biting i was on the edge of my seat all all game absolutely i nearly fell off mine well (laughs) either way ziggy uh, thank you so much for the game i hope you had a good tournament even though it's i know probably not been the the desired results do you think you'll run helm hammer hand again Yes, I think with a lot more practice, I'd definitely run him again. I think I need a lot more practice, having uh, having only just managed to squeak a win in the final throws uh, of Ardicon here. So there you go. Yes, we kind of did improve the win-loss ratio just at the very end of Ardicon, but it's not been my best performance. Let's be completely transparent about this. I actually don't think I've done a tournament this bad ever. E- like, ever. Um, I know Ardicon is the biggest tournament in the world, um, so therefore it attracts you know some very good players from around the world, and people who are willing to travel are by their nature perhaps more likely to be good players, um, and you know because they want to think I'm in for a chance of of doing this. Um, even so. I mean, it's not been a great showing, has it? Let's be completely honest about this. So I'm going to find out where I am. Uh, let's start at the top of the page, and I'm going to start scrolling. So this is on the uh, phone. Keep keep scrolling. Yeah, yeah, keep scrolling. Keep keep scrolling. Keep there it is, there it is. Okay. All the way down in 125th place. It's not good, is it? Two wins and four losses. Poor. Poor work. Poor work. Uh, just below Alex White uh, and above Dave Shearer. Um so yeah. I mean not that I'm not that I'm expecting to do really well with a new army, a brand new army at that that I've never used before, hadn't even had a practice game with. Um and I think uh, I spoke to Jasmine Tetley, uh, who we'll talk about in a second. And she sort of said, "Yeah, the meta's not great for Hunter Orcs uh, in the in in Pits of Old Gulder at the moment because there's so much shooting. There's going to be a lot of shooting. You should have asked me." And I said, "Well, yeah. Well, I, sort of, I know I should have asked you. I should have I should have asked you what was good, but anyway. Uh so shame We'll see how it progresses. Um, I'm definitely going to use it in a couple more tournaments, uh, at least. Um, <laughs> it might just go in the bin if I keep getting two wins and uh, four losses, though, because it's a bit demoralising, a bit demoralising, I tell you that. Anyway, I mentioned uh, Jasmine, and uh, there's also another person I'm going to discuss. And this is the... So I've spent the whole episode. Um, Arda Controversy. Um, I, t- I teased on this uh, at, right at the start of the episode, and I'd imagine... Um, if you're listening to this thinking, oh, I was expecting this, dreading this, wonder what's going to happen, um, don't worry. Um, I am not going to pass any judgment here because realistically, I thought it's best just to talk to the person involved. Um, essentially, what happened is game number six, um, as if you don't know, Ardacon, game number six, um, it settles the, the, the sort of running order uh, on Sunday afternoon and then the top two people play the championship round. So, and this is the reason for the championship round is to allow for team members to play each other uh, and to make sure that, that sort of there is a winner, an all right winner who may have to compete with their own teammate against their own teammate. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, in the last game, um, Jasmine Tetley, I've just mentioned, and Jake Rawson um, managed to find themselves on the top two positions uh, after the all of the six games. So therefore entered into the championship round. They had their big game. 
and we'll find out who win, uh, wins in a second. And I'll ask them specifically about what happened in game number six because there was a little bit of whispers travelling around the hall. I wasn't there. I heard all this after the fact about what happened in the final game at round number six between Jasmine and Jake. So they both played in round number six and in the championship round. Now I hear you ask, how did that happen? Well, they had a draw. Not just any draw, a nil-nil draw with their oaths. So they each got enough victory points or tournament points, or whatever, to get them into the final round by getting a nil by a nil-nil draw and their oaths. People thought, and people said, this is dodgy. They're both in the same team, both in the GBHL and at the tournament. And they were doubles partners. Should this be allowed? What happened? Was someone what paying attention? Well, I managed to catch up with Jake after the tournament to ask him about it because Jake Rawson did win that final game. So he's crowned once again the winner of a major SBG tournament. So worth noting here, both players managed to get to the top table, the final round, which should be commended. But there was a little bit of controversy in getting there. Let's find out what Jake has to say about it. So we finished game number six. It's all a bit of a disaster for me, but we need to find out who has won Ardacon. This is the biggest tournament in the world. It's hundreds of players. I think the, the final tally was somewhere in the high hundreds, just under 200 uh, mark for players. So super competitive, really difficult players from across the world. And none other than our very own Jake Rawson from the UK, from this podcast multiple times has come out on top. Jake, first of all, how do you feel uh, making it right to the top of Ardicon, which is, as I've just said, one of the biggest in the world? Uh, shocked, um, thrilled. Uh, honestly, I was I was kind of shaking in the uh, the last round, but um, no, it was a fantastic feeling to know that after the 18 months or whatever that I've been playing the game, that all the hard work has, uh, has paid off in this form. So, fantastic. You are literally a world champion at the top of the top of this game. Can't, you can't get any better. I don't think I'll get tired of hearing <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> that, It's quite an achievement. So, um, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about, um, you, you know, your, your army and the, the, the run-up to the, the that final, because you have to play in, like, a championship round. Six games. I get to play six games. You've had to play seven. But, first of all, let's start with, with your army. What What's the army that you're taking to Ardacan this year? It's the easiest army to win in the entire world. If everybody had one, everyone would play it. It's uh, it's Arnor, Malbeth, Arvadui, a couple of captains, 48 models, uh, just just a load of really cheap guys that just don't die. I, I keep telling everybody, like, I'm not good at the game. Arnor is just really good at the game. It just it does what it does really well, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's well, easy. I would dispute the good at the game thing, because you've made Lothlorien really good, you've done well with Hunter Orcs, you've also done well with uh, this now, but but just pure Arnor, 650 points. Yeah, pure, pure Arnor, 15 Rangers, one Hobbit Archer in there for Resistant to Magic, which surprisingly plays very useful. You stick him behind a banner, and all of a sudden Brog is Tremors, uh, not going off as easily. That's the, the most common use of fan for it this weekend. That's and a great idea. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Uh, means your heroes can be a bit more manoeuvrable. And um, yeah, just having, like, I think it's 44 troops that you can just block off your heroes with and keep everything where it needs to be is, uh, it's very forgiving. When they're, when they're not dying, it's, yeah, it's really easy to get them into that position. Yeah, mid 40s for 650 points with defense six troops with a, a, a five plus fate save or whatever you want to call it, plus a fearless bubble. It's, it's pretty pretty hard hard to not to crack it imagine oh yeah it's a, it's a very good combination um I don't, I don't think i got broken over the course of the weekend even i was coming up against things like dragon emperor which obviously do really well at the minute they're massive um Isildur with his ring um even like because you're getting saves on the heroes as well they're just not getting punked as easily um obviously it requires a little bit of luck it's only on a five plus 
But um, yeah, when it when it comes off, when you really need it to, it uh, yeah really changes the whole flow of the game. And I'd imagine the, the, the killing scenario that we did at the start, that might have helped you, I'd imagine, because uh, Contest of Champions is always going to be a tricky one, but we played to the death instead. Yeah, that was very lucky. I seem to have a habit of only playing Contest of Champions when I take Galadriel as the leader. So it's, uh, yeah, and that, that trend is continuing. But um, I mean, even if you do with Arvadui, he's still a fairly competent leader to, to get kills and getting saves on their, their leader in combat is nice for denying them that. So um, yeah, there's there's not many scenarios that I don't fancy on or chances into against maybe certain armies but um yeah all in all it's uh it's a very nice just a safe safe playlist i think and of course the just the number of players at this tournament means that you're not going to have easy games if you're winning by good margins you're going to be playing against other players who are top of the game whether it's the winners from around the world uh, of various different uh, massive tournaments or, or even just you know the, the local players who who are, are fantastic as well what were the tricky games you had to play against and, and i guess there's tricky matchups uh, so the the Dragon Emperor was my big concern because they pretty much outstat me in every situation. They've got fight five. They've usually now the common thing is to take axes for piercing strike strength four, which is really bad against the D six. Um, and they typically normally, depending on how they built the list, match me on model count. Um, so that was a big concern. Luckily, I came up against that in the Maelstrom scenario. And so I was able to get my deployment where I could surround them and trap them and really maximize the, the one-on-ones. So that helped uh, in a big way. And then Malbeth just doing his thing was able to, to level the playing field there. Mm. But um, yeah, big, big strength five, uh, sorry, fight five heroes are not so much a concern for Arnor as it would be for, for other armies. Because, I mean, uh, the, the linchpin of the entire list is Malbeth. Like he, if he keep him alive, then he's going to make so many points back for you in saves, and you just don't need to to plan and strategize as much. Um, Do you have to fight off anything like the magical targeting, for example, like a ring raids or whatever that could just black dart him to death? Because I'd have thought that would be a, an immediate way of killing him. Yeah, so that is usually the big threat. I only really faced one list with um, magic in. It was the Harry Moore's Angmar list, mm-hmm. who obviously has the Witch King. Um, but luckily, because Arnor are built very well into Angmar, we're getting hatred on pretty much the entire army apart from the Rangers. We cut through the troops very quickly, so I think I broke him on like three turns of combat. And until that point, he was focusing his cast, fo- sorry, focusing his casting on Arvadui, mm. who's going into Gulivar and striking up. So he's needing to try and get that um, that transfix on. Mm. Um, but like, even Gulivar just gets so easily against a bunch of Arnold dudes they're all wounding him on fours so he's got to be really careful of course you've got that hatred haven't you yeah and, and how he played the whole thing really well um, the scenario wasn't favourable for him it was retrieval um, and obviously I've got a lot more shooting and then we really out, uh, outmatched the Angmar in the fight so um, he did exactly what I would do in the same situation it was just a really really tough matchup for him but um, no apart from that there was no no casting threat so Malbeth was able to just sort of stand around and um, yeah be where he needs to be plus he's also got a point of might for heroic resolve if he really needs it mm-hmm. so because the, the will goes eventually so yeah yeah, oh, interesting. And then, of course, coming into the last round, uh, now, and, and this, this, there's been some sort of whispers of controversy around this. You're playing against Jasmine Tetley, a fellow teammate for, uh, I, I can't remember the name, the Seventh City Crusaders. Collective. Seventh Crusaders, Seventh City Crusaders team. Um, and you played up against her in the, the sixth game of the tournament, and you were both doing really well. Now, according to the, the stats for the game, you, you ended on a draw 45 minutes or thereabouts into the game. How did this happen in a, in a, you know, a way that, that, you know, it's fair. Yeah. So um, anybody that knows me as a gamer knows that I, or well, might know that I'm not 
particularly confident in my own ability. I always think that I just look my way into situations. So I'm going into game... Well, you've already said, said that in well, well, exactly, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going into game five and I'm thinking, okay, I've got a lot of really big wins. Um, and I, the, the field was very surprising that weekend. There was only me and Jasmine going into the situation on five wins. All the others had taken draws. So it's very unusual when you consider you've got 171 players, I think it was in the end. So I'm thinking, right, okay, I'm in a situation where I, I can't risk taking a loss here because I really wanted to get to that championship round. That was just my, my main focus. It was my first Articon. I was absolutely thrilled to be there, and I thought I'll just I'll see how I do over the course of the weekend. Um, and when I was in this situation in the sixth round, I thought there's an actual chance here that I do get to the uh, the championship round. So I'll play it safe. I'm not going to do anything that's going to risk taking this and just send it off a cliff and getting a loss. So we'd set up our armies. Jasmine had... Serpent Horde and Corsairs, very heavy shooting, lots of crossbows, uh, very serious threat. And up until that point, I hadn't encountered any serious shooting threat armies. So this was one I was going to have to play in a different kind of style anyway. Um, but because of the, the Oath system, there's, um, I'm not sure how familiar, or how much you've explained the Oath system so far. We've touched on it. Yeah. Touched on it, cool. But then I've chosen the same one every time because I'm Azog. <laughs> sure, of course, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's the two objective ones. So I know that if I veto the one that I want to go for, then she's probably going to go for the other objective one. So I veto the one that I definitely want to go for, position myself in a way that I can make that happen. Um, and I think generally she did the same. Well, after the match, we discussed that that's, she set up and said was going for that one. Um, and we're just in this situation of after the a few turns of positioning to get where we want, we're then 24 inches away from each other. I've got a reasonable shooting force. She's got a reasonable shooting force. And the odds are whichever one of us pushes, for, pushes first is probably the one that loses. So I don't want to come forward. She doesn't want to come forward. We have about three priority roles to see if that changes anything, whether it's a priority move that the person wants to go first on. And we just said, look, we're, we could sit here for the next hour and 15 minutes or whatever it is. Or we just call it there and we see what happens. So that's what well, we, we called the TO, TO over and said, look, we're in this position. Neither one of us want to push. Can we just end it here? And he was like, yeah, no, that's fine. Go for it. So that's what we did. So and so uh, there's been sort of discussion that this is collusion. You know, the ultimately this is a GBHL 100. This is a competitive event for the league that that could play an impact on uh, GBHL team scores. You're both on the same team. This guarantees your team 195 points, although I think both of you have won uh, uh, tournaments before, so that means that it's not as guaranteed. But either way, this is a potential 195 points for your team. Is that not collusion? Are you not you know, working together to get a draw to make sure you guarantee your, your team the best amount of points you can get? I mean, I'll, I'll say the same thing that I've said to everybody who's asked me this, because this isn't the first time I've asked this question. The only thing I cared about, and it might sound a little bit selfish, but I just cared about getting into that championship round. Don't care about your team. I, 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 I didn't care who I played against. Like, it's obviously nice for my team to win extra points. Mm. Uh, of course it is. And it's nice for, you know, to have success with, with anybody. But, um, yeah, I just... The, the best chance of me possibly proceeding was to play it safe and to take the draw. So that's what we did. And then it was just... Because uh, there was also no guarantee of Jasmine going through. There was still another competitor who, if they'd won their game, I think 12-0 when they needed and an oath, then it would have knocked Jasmine off the, the podium. So, yeah, I mean, but that, that's unlikely to happen. 12-0 with a 1-oath uh, and the t final, well, on the top tables of the last round of a 200-man tournament or 280-person tournament. That's, that's unlikely, I suppose. But, okay, well, it, well... I guess at this point, there's no point laboring that point. People have made, made their own minds up. So what happened in the last game? Uh, so the last matchup was very favourable for me um, because I was going into it ahead of Jasmine anyway. So again, I didn't need to play as, as aggressively. But we got destroyed the supplies. Uh, again, two shooting armies. So instantly we're thinking, OK, great. So we're going to stay 24 away from each other and just not shoot. 
the advantage to that situation is that I then win. Mm -hmm. So Jasmine, of course, has to push me because she either goes for the win or she, she just doesn't get anywhere. So um, 24 inch deployment, she marches up a couple turns with Sullivan, and the, probably the big swing with that is on two turns of shooting, I kill eight models, all of a sudden I'm like 15 models up for the line. So we just win priority on the next turn, move three inches over the objectives, and we just we fight out there. And uh, yeah, because I've got enough models that I can just screen the objectives, I just need to get the break. And so that's, that's what I did. I didn't focus on the objectives. I thought I'll, just, I'll go for the break, get it as quick as possible, take it down and just win 2-0 because 2-0 is all I need and, and take it. There's no point risking things if i if i don't need to mm. i think it, that was my my mindset anyway but you it, was it was it a two nil win in the end two, two nil win in the end yeah i got, got the break it was the uh, we had 10 minutes left on the clock we rolled the priority did a heroic move roll off uh, which i won and we were like cool so there's physically no way she can get to the end so we'll just play out this round go for the break uh got the break i was one model off breaking myself that was the closest game to break over the weekend so i was i will be honest i was getting nervous i was starting mm -hmm. to sweat and break down a bit and i was like oh god no it's all going to fall apart before my eyes i've come so far and now it's going wrong um but uh no i, I got lucky on a, a few dice falls and she she played it really well and i played it really well and um yeah i think it was the the way it was probably predicted to go mm. so. well uh, either way jake i mean obviously there's been some uh, some emotional turmoil around, <laughs> surrounding uh, <laughs> surrounding this finale as, as i mentioned the the controversy there but either way uh, even even getting to the just the top of the the final table there and and then being able to play in the championship round you must be so chuffed oh it was it was incredible experience and the, the whole weekend was to be fair like i know People have said some things about Articon in the past about it being a really good event, being really well ran. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, like seeing it firsthand, seeing all the things had on offer, um, and just getting to socialise with so many people at one big event like that was an experience that I, I haven't seen before. So it was absolutely fantastic, and I want to say a massive thank you to uh, the TOs and everyone that organised it, and all of the people that were there for making it the experience that it, it really was. It's a great social event. Well, uh, Jake, thanks very much for coming on Emmy once more. Always a pleasure. See you next time. So there you go. Jake Rawson, the winner of the biggest Lord of the Rings SBG tournament in the world. There was a little bit of controversy. I did ask him about that. I, I don't really have much to say about it other than what, what I've asked Jake. You can make up your minds as to what you think about uh, what Jake says um, and um, by extension what Jasmine... J J haven't, I haven't spoken to Jasmine about the, the uh, draw. Uh, I, I, I probably should have done. Um, I may well catch up with her in a future podcast about it. Um, but Jake has said it, you know, there was a draw and and you know would you consider a draw just to make sure you guarantee yourself a place in that that final round or would you push for the victory i don't know that's a question i'll ask you get in touch podcast at gmail.com would you want to take the draw or you know maybe they fought to the draw maybe that was just the most sensible way of doing it would you take the draw or would you fight would you fight to the death what do you think podcast at gmail.com i'm fascinated by what your opinions are on this, it is a little bit on the edge of debate, isn't it? Could really be a question that needs answering. Get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. But that's the end of the podcast. I did very badly with my tournament. Um, but at least Jake did well. Congratulations to Jake and uh, congratulations to everyone else who did so well in the tournament. I think it was 175 players, uh, 171 in total. So it didn't quite cross the 200 mark, but... Either way, it's certainly up there uh, with the biggest tournament in the world. Didn't manage to get, catch J uh, James Clark this time to have a bit of a chat with him. Um, so apologies for missing out the tournament organiser. But we will be back. We will return in the future. And maybe I'll be able to improve on my performance with the uh, uh, the pits of Dol Gulder. I feel like they might be good. I've heard that the uh, Evan Iverson plays with them. Uh, interesting. Evan Iverson, um, I believe, was in the... 
certainly in the in the running for the top of the this tournament. So who knows? Maybe maybe I can improve it. But let's be honest, I'm not quite Evan Iverson. Uh, if you know him, he's he's like one of the best players in America, essentially. Uh, and America's quite big, so you know. <laughs> yeah, he was 12th in Ardacon. Uh, so. Well done to all of those people. Uh, thanks very much for listening. A final reminder of the riddle in the dark. Uh, I'll put it right at the end of the uh, the programme so that you can just listen to it right at the end. Um, and entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know the answer to the riddle in the dark. Uh, and if you get in touch, um, you get a chance to win the SBG magazine with the Helm's Deep in it. And in the meantime, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs>